But um, is it, it's Father's Day. You got, you got plans for today? Uh, not necessarily. Um, usually kind of just hang out with my brother-in-law, uncles. Um, fortunately, my father passed away when I was four. So, oh, I got you. Okay. Uh, go to the cemetery. Actually, I'm enjoying his favorite breakfast right now, which is a cigar and a coffee. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's, that's apparently what my dad uh, – Dad had for breakfast every day was a uh, black coffee <laughs> and a cigar. Dude, that's a different generation, huh? Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he was a different kind of person too, from my understanding. So yeah, it is. Um, I mean, yeah, it's got to be difficult when like uh, you you didn't fully get to know your father like you hear about him. But when you're four years old, you don't necessarily have memories. I got no memories till. Fuck, man, I can't remember a lot of things. Yeah, it's almost it, what turns it, it it turns into like uh, like he's an urban legend, like he's a right. myth. Because when people tell me stories about him, he seriously didn't seem like an actual person. He apparently, you know, I I posted some pictures on him uh, on Instagram today. But you know, cowboy hat, big beard, straight off the boat from Italy, long hair, uh, always had a holstered six shooter. What? Are you yeah, kidding always, me? He had a 357 Magnum on him at all times. Which is, Holy shit. And it was funny because he was an accountant. So like. For who though? Ma, who knows? Who, for who is he the accountant? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Look like, at those books. Look at yeah, those exactly, books. Like, yeah, exactly. But like he didn't have like a mobster feel though for like an Italian guy. He's an outdoorsman, like an avid hunter, like uh, yeah. like a real big like Clint Eastwood Spaghetti Western fan. So it was like. <laughs> Yeah, it was um, – and then when I hear stories about him, like, I don't know what's true and what's not. I'm like, I don't know how much gets embellished in the uh, – because it's, it's been a while. It's been, um, I think, 14, 14 years since yeah. he passed. So, um, yeah, this is actually his hat, too. No shit, dude. Like, he would wear these types of hats, like, all over the place and uh, just didn't need to lift weights to be a badass either. Just kind of had to exist as a human being. He wore the aviators, too, always. Kind of looked like uh, Al Pacino and Serpico. Just a – Dude, I love, I love that you have that movie reference. Um, it, it's, I look, well, I mean, it's before my time too. But sometimes when people, when I talk to people in their 20s and they drop that 70s movies, I'm like, okay, all right, you, you're on your shit. You know. Yeah, yeah, I got a strange movie like referencing. Uh, I had, I grew up with a lot of, uh, you know, older siblings. So I just watch a lot of shit that I shouldn't have when I was younger. Like when Same. I when I was like eleven years old, my favorite movie was Pulp Fiction. Still is my favorite movie, but when you're eleven, you shouldn't be watching Pulp Fiction. Oh hell no! It's it's a uh, yeah. I got an older brother too, man. We were like in the '80s. I was growing up in the '80s, and fuck me, the amount of like the Predator and Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. That's why I started lifting weights. But what the shit am I doing watching the Predator, man? Like I'm like eight years old. Like <laughs> you know, you're like holy shit. It it molds you. Yeah, I guess the same thing with like uh like. My brother always used to have like Bloodsport on and all those movies too. Oh, hell yeah. Those were like really gory and violent, but Pulp Fiction has some things that I didn't understand until I was like 16, like uh, the heroin overdose scene. Like I didn't, that didn't no. register with me when I was 11. So I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then when I figured it, like what heroin was and like how you recover from uh, accidental overdose, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That scene. <laughs> Not to mention, there's also a man sodomizing another man, and the whole there's 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 some 
That too, but like, yeah, even when I was, yeah, when I was a kid too, like, I just didn't even I'm like, what's what's even happened? I just assumed he was like getting tortured or something, like, yeah, like, yeah, movie shit. But yeah, he was. Uh, you're like, that's yeah. a funny way to Marcellus, Yeah, Marcellus Wallace went medieval on his ass. <laughs> went medieval on his ass, man. How many brothers? How many siblings did you have? Uh, I have two brothers and two sisters, so okay. I'm one of five. And are they where are you about in terms of the order of that? Um, second youngest. Okay. So, um. Yeah, not not quite the middle child, not quite the youngest either. So it's a pretty it's a pretty decent spot to be in. You know what I find? So I don't know if this is what you found, but um, when you're the middle child, okay, first child, the firstborn, you know, especially a like if you're if you're somebody's firstborn son, there's mm-hmm. there's something there, right? And then if you're the youngest, you're the baby. So you're always the baby, no matter what. You could be like. 40 years old, and they're like, oh, my baby. But if you're in the middle, you do shit to stand out. Because you don't, first off, you can get picked on. You, you're, you know, you're young enough to get picked on, too young to be coddled, and you're right in the middle. And oftentimes, it's those middle child that end up really grinding to make something happen. Like, extraordinary, not Joe 9 to 5 jobs. Yeah. Well, I get my sister would be the middle child, but I would probably consider myself, like, yeah, well, I, I guess I would probably consider myself the black sheep because my brother, uh, my youngest brother, Santino, he's four years younger than me and much more mature than I am. Like he's you think not, so? Oh, yeah. He's not like yes, uh, he's, he's an accountant. He's already like he's got his life kind of planned out. I'm, you know, walking around my house with a cigar, a flowered shirt, short shorts, you know, and just kind of and a fanny pack kind of creeping out of my family. But uh and then, you know, just like the whole Instagram weightlifting, powerlifting kind of thing. And, you know, I, I am, I am a, I am a educator, but at the same time, like I'm a little bit of a wild. And then like my sister's awesome too. Like my oldest sister, uh, married kids, my, the middle child, uh, also my sister, she's, um, you know, again, mature, great job. Very, very, uh, steadfast kind of woman. Uh, my older brother, though, was kind of a badass, too. So I guess, What's uh, like? um, sorry to get all depressing on you this fucking early in the podcast, but my, good. my brother, unfortunately, uh, passed away when I was 15. And, um, yeah, so he, he was like my idol because, like, I didn't really know my dad, but I knew my brother. Um, yeah. and I looked up to him a lot. And my brother was, uh, you know, you, always kind of had like a worry about him because he lived a, he kind of lived a nightlife. Um, he was a bouncer at a nightclub, uh, got into his fair share of bar fights and sometimes the police were involved. Sometimes the police weren't involved, but he was a, he was a great guy, uh, very hardworking man, but yeah, you know, kind of a, kind of a badass himself where, um, we would, uh, when I was a kid, I was definitely like always scared, like at night, like, you know, what, what was Aldo going to get, uh, what shenanigans was he going to get into this time? Was he going to come home with, you know, uh, a black eye or something or come home late and then tell us a story about how he got into a bar fight, breaking up a fight or something. So, um, yeah, but well, he well, was, how- I guess he would technically be the black sheep, even though, but he, he had to do a lot. And, you know, with my father passing when I was young, he had to do so much for our family and for himself just to, you know, he, we owned a hunting club and he was able to run that himself. So he was probably the most determined out of all of us. But, um, yeah, he, uh, he was also, I'm like, 
the weird balance between my little brother is an awesome accountant and my oldest brother is known, you know, as a tough guy, badass. And I'm just in the middle, you know, just uh, powerlifting and making videos on Instagram and stuff. It's weird. Well, well um, so how, how did your father pass? And then how old was your older brother when he passed? Because like uh, he was older than you, but. So, yeah, so my, I believe my older brother was 18 uh, okay. when my father passed. And uh, yeah, so he was 18. So we have a weird age gap, a gap in our family. But um, yeah, my father passed away when I, when I was four with, with a heart attack. Okay. It's a very sudden, um, su sudden passing. And yeah, my brother was, I think, just, just about to graduate high school or just graduated high school. I'm not 100% sure. And that's tough, man, because 18, I mean, you could do a lot of things. You could vote, you can go join the military, do a lot of grown-up stuff at 18. But when you're 18, you are, in terms of life experience, young, fresh. You're, you're not ready. You're not ready to be the man of the house. Yeah, well, yeah, and I agree with that. But you know what? I, I did mention my brother was, a, you know, the, this badass. My father's badass. But the biggest badass in my family is definitely my mom. My mm -hmm. mom is a fucking badass. Uh, she is... I mean, you could, you could say what you want about my brother helping our family, but it was my mom. She was the one working. She was the one taking over the businesses. She was doing all that stuff as a single mom. So she is definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, the toughest human being I know, not the toughest woman I know. The toughest human being I know is uh, my mom. So um, she had to take probably the most responsibility upon everyone uh, in my family with you know all the tragic shit she had to go through, too. It's uh, like, and it's 100%, there's something to do with mothers, right? Even in the nature, like when, when an animal fathers, it's not the same as a fucking mother. A mother will scrap it out, scrap it out to the end. A mother will fight a male in the nature yeah. to the fucking death. Even though the male is bigger, faster, stronger, and the male is like, I should have this. And ordinarily, if you're just scrapping for food, fine. But if you come around the cubs, all of a sudden, the mother's like, well, it's a different scrap now, isn't it? Because I'm yeah. going to fight until we're both dead. I, 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 might, I might win the fight, but succumb to my wounds later. That's fine. Are my kids still alive? And it's the same shit. There's some kind of maternal instinct when it comes to humans, too. You know, nothing is like what a mother will do for a kid. They will go broke. They will be live on the streets as long as their kids are in a house. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's, you know, essentially what my mom did, you know, she would work late, late nights. Uh, it sucked because I didn't really get to see her the whole time as a kid. And I really did look up to my and I still do look up to my mom. But, um, you know, it's I, I, I'm most definitely a mama's boy. Like, uh, I would even admit it to admit it to this day that um, still still a mama's boy. But yeah, the sacrifices she had to make for all five, excuse me, all five of us was uh, was huge and forever grateful. I know it's Father's Day, but even when I was a kid, when they had those uh, fucking little Father's Day projects that they even still made me do, and I was always bitter about it because I'm like, can I not do this project? Because I really don't feel like uh, admitting to the entire class about what happened when I was four. Yeah. Um, I would always like make a craft for my mom instead. Like uh, I remember one time I made a coffee mug or something. I'm like, can I just put my mom's picture in here? And then yeah, yeah. I would just, you would just get an extra gift on Father's Day. Well, there you go, man. Sometimes mom's got to step up and be a little bit of both at times, right? Yeah. And if you meet her too, she's the sweetest human being ever. Uh, she's very nice, like the most supportive. It definitely coddles me. Like 
more to the extent of everyone else in my family. I don't know what it is with me that she uh, that she babies a little bit, but um, yeah, she's she's the you know the prototypical Italian mom who's tough as hell, but then is like the sweetest human being at the same time. So um, yeah, I might have to tell my mom to listen to this uh, podcast. So she uh, here's here's some awesome compliments. Yeah, it's like well, it, it's so it is like prototypical prototypical um like stereotypical almost what people think of italian moms where it's like they'll be tough but nice at the same time like this is this, this is an example when you picture it and i don't know man this is straight up stereotypical but it'll be like they might talk to you like when you're eating eat eat more eat yeah. well they're they're talking to you tough not please how are you sweetheart however they're fucking making sure you're full as hell they won't fill your they won't eat until you Make sure you eat. I'll eat after. We're relaxed. Like, it's like that where it's tough love. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that was more my grandma. Um, I, so I lived with primarily with my grandma growing up. And my grandma no was. Yeah, so, I mean, my mom was always working. Uh, my brother yeah. was working, too. Um, so the oldest ones are working. So me and my two siblings always be with my grandma. My grandma was kind of the, uh, the don't want to say cold, but she was definitely the uh, – person who would force you to eat way more food than you wanted and then uh make a comment how fat you're getting uh, <laughs> uh, how fat you're getting like uh you know you never did that to me though i was always too skinny but she would do that yeah. to other she would do that to my other family members but uh that's amazing yeah, she was the one and then also another like extremely i think i get like a powerlifting gene from my mom and dad's side because my dad's size is a bunch of short, stocky Italian men with huge ass legs. I don't know what it is. Like everyone has big legs. My dad never lifted a day in his life and he had these tree trunk legs. Played soccer in Italy, but that was that was about his extent of like fitness. Um, and if you look at all my family members, we, you know, pretty stocky, broad shoulders, big legs, big necks too, for whatever reason. And then my mom's side, my grandma is like, comes from a family of a lumberjacks. And my grandma has hands. I, I can't really describe the hands over a podcast, but he's got these mitts on her. It's like this working class man's hand yes. that she has. And she's, she's, so she makes this, uh, these cookies every year, these uh, Italian cookies. And they, you have to really use some power to knead the dough, like really use power. And she was doing it up until she was like 80. And then she needed help a uh, few years so she called my sisters and their hands were too soft and not strong <laughs> enough to do it so she had to call me to do the cookies with her because she was the only person that was able to knead the dough with such force that and like just like when I think about as a kid just watching her do stuff around the house she would like carry shit like really heavy things like upstairs um yeah so I think like the Bartucci on my side, uh, the Bartucci and Ruffalo side of my family are like, uh, they're, they're, they're helping me through powerlifting to an extent, which is nice. Isn't it funny, like, there's a difference in generations in terms of, like, tough. Um, Joey Diaz talks about, do you know Joey Diaz podcast? He's on Joe Rogan sometimes and shit. I know, I don't listen to his podcast, but I know, I know, I know Coco. Okay, yeah. And he talks about, like, that's, he's talking about Stipe. Miocic, who's, who's yeah. from like Eastern Europe, and he's like, that's that fucking immigrant mentality, dog. Yeah. You know, that's that. It's a different type of tough. Like they live, the older generations like that, coming from Europe especially, you want to talk about living through some shit in life. Like there is a generation of people that lived through World War I, the mm -hmm. Spanish flu, 
the Great Depression, and then kicked it off with World War II. And then, and that's Europe. Then they come over here, and they're not taking no bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're trying yeah. to help them out, make some fucking cookies. They're like, out the kitchen, your hands are too weak. Bring in Angelo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to hear it. My cookies aren't going to taste the same. Like, grandma, no, no, no. Get the fuck out the kitchen. Bring in Angelo. The kid's got hands on him. <laughs> and yeah. I, I shit you not, when you said your grandma had hands, I thought you fucking meant throwing hands like Mike Tyson, and I would have believed it. <laughs> when you said, you should see the hands on her. I'm like, oh, did you catch a whooping? Because that's another thing that generation will do. Yeah, you know what? I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't get too many beatings from my grandma. But I think if, if she did, she would have killed me. Because she actually, <laughs> honestly, not, I mean, not joking. She, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't imagine just like a, a solid slap in the face from her. Like it's, it would have been hard. Like, it would just been real, real hard to take as a child because she was. She would have to contain her own power because she was strong as hell. Um, and she's still, I mean, she's eight, she's 84 and I go to her house and um, she doesn't like that, that little Jersey accent you have. She doesn't have quite of that. She has like a very Italian accent, like a very hardened Italian, Southern Italian accent. And she's, you know, she's older in age and she's uh, not, not as good at health as she, she used to be. And she's like, I can't, Go around the house. I can't clean anymore. I can't work in my garden. I'm like, yeah, you're 84 though. <laughs> you know, like you've been doing that till you were 75, and then you slow down at 75. I'm like, be happy that yeah. at 75 you're starting to slow down. Like, cause people slow down in their 40s. Oh, dog, people slow down. And then her on. 60s was like her prime. Like her 60s, she would go to the farm, uh, the the hunting club, and she would help help out there uh, when yeah. my dad passed. Uh, she's a yeah, again, tough tough lady. I, again, some some uh I, I think i'm still like even though i'm a competitive power lifter i think i still uh i still think i like let my family down as far as toughness goes considering one side's like these avid hunters uh and then the other side's like you know a bunch of lumberjacks so well well here's the thing okay well first off i know what you mean when you say you didn't catch too many whoopings from your grandma but um like my grandma was from like my my grandparents are from like uh you, Serbia, Yugoslavia no longer exists, but from that region, which is like Eastern Europe, some tough people as well. Grandma was born and raised in Detroit and like very poor. So fucking like different type of mentality. So when I was there, I know you mean where you're like, I didn't take a whooping, but I was too afraid to take a whooping. Like the, the threat was enough. <laughs> you're like, look, it, I, if it starts, I don't know when it's going to stop. So I'm just not going to let it start. Like, and, and in all honesty, though, I did deserve to get punched as a child because I was a dickhead kid so I yeah I uh, I was very lucky that my grandma had and my mom too had enough restraints to uh not hit me because I probably deserved it like yeah I deserved probably at least six or seven of them like truly <laughs> it, so and then the other stuff like I don't know maybe I I did get a, like a swift like slap to the back of the head but that wouldn't hurt that was just more so yeah. like keeping you in check but not like an actual like uh, uh teaching me a lesson and uh i did get my mouth whilst i was soap though for my Same. brother and sister yeah Don't that was too. uh they really went through i didn't think they would i, I swore <laughs> to i think as a i think i was like five or four or five or something they really want they and when i say they washed my mouth out with soap they actually tried to clean my mouth out with soap like they didn't make <laughs> me chew on a thing they didn't put it in my mouth they got me in the sink and just started scrubbing my mouth with uh 
I didn't swear after that, so I guess it works. Yeah, I bet, dude. You didn't swear until you're like 25 again. Yeah, I they they actually uh, they got me on that one. I swear like a trucker now, but it it did you know you don't want to be a six year old you know saying all these and you know what they blame me for that and I was watching Pulp Fiction, Goodfellas, and all these movies that they <laughs> loved, and I apparently. I apparently uh, learned some of the colorful language on those movies. So, but it was my fault. I shouldn't have been watching. Oh, and then what you, you used to watch like Eddie Murphy, Delirious too. Like, oh, yeah. oh yeah, all those like things when I'm like eight years old and I'm listening to Eddie Murphy, and that's like the most raunchy. People who think Eddie Murphy, they think like Doctor Doolittle and like Shrek and shit. Like, no, Eddie Murphy had the raunchiest stand-up comedies ever. Like, you couldn't. I don't think he would actually be able to re-release the ones he had now because he said a lot of um, absolutely not towards the gay community dude and, i was uh, just about to say yeah hey. he said some things about aids and the gay community that uh, won't, won't fly anymore so it is it is the funniest it's like top three one of my favorite stand-ups but yeah it's it's raunchy and i was like eight years old like walking through the house uh trying to play with someone but like that was on and yeah of course i'm gonna pick up some of the uh language in there it's um i think it's also like if you're younger you might remember from your childhood the eddie murphy but when you're older like i'm 40 so when i think about eddie murphy i remember like like i was still too young to have seen that shit i was still a child when i seen yeah. delirious and raw but it 100 dude it was bad news when you think about eddie murphy that's the eddie murphy i think about that's the real eddie murphy you know he's still telling oh, yeah. those fucking jokes to his boys that that's that's he's not duke mr doolittle he's not whatever the um you know whatever shit he's done since then he's talking like that in his in his you know day to day but he's making oodles of money when he tones it yeah. down a little bit so whatever yeah i mean i mean even in the 80s he was like the biggest uh i'm talking like i lived back then i didn't but he was still like uh because I grew like that when I was 14, I think I fully watched Delirious with my older cousins. And that was another thing, too. I had a lot of older cousins that would just make I would just always be around them. And I would, you know, uh, pick up on their some some good, but mostly bad habits. But uh, <laughs> and yeah, I would, I, that was the first time I watched Eddie Murphy Delirious. when I was like 14 years old. And I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And then I watched it again when I'm like 20. And it's like, oh, now I understand more of these jokes uh, fully. Dude, but, I swear. I swear to God, you know the show, the movie um, Hook? It's got yeah. Robin Williams, and that's yeah. a kid's show. Yeah. So as a kid, I seen it, whatever, it's a typical kid's movie. And then I, it was on TV, and I was watching with like a niece and nephew or something, and it was on TV, and there's a scene where he's going back and forth with insults with some kid. And they're like, whatever, just childish little funny insults. And one of the insults he throws back at the kid is, nearsighted gynecologist? Yeah. And then... As a kid, that's right over your head. You don't even yeah. think twice. But as an adult, I was like, what the fuck? I looked back, like, what movie is that? It's Hook. And I'm like, oh, clever bastards. So they threw it in there knowing it's going to go over a kid's head. And it did. But yeah. I was a kid, didn't even know what the fuck. So it breathes. You don't even try. You couldn't even say the word. So you're not even going to try to repeat it. Nearsighted gynecologist, what the fuck? You're... Yeah. But as an adult, every mom and dad watching it's like, you know, to yeah. cue, cue the meme with Leo and the beer and he's pointing at the screen. That's exactly every dad's like, that was for me. That was for me. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, that's probably improvised line from Robin Williams. Too. Yeah, probably. Like, he probably threw that in there just because he has like, a, you know, the source of like amazing one-liners. So he just probably threw that in there like, okay, I'm going to 
throw one in there for the adults. Yeah, the director's like, eh, he's like, I didn't swear, they won't get it, trust me. They have no way, none of the actors on set even know what the shit I'm talking about, we're good. Um, yeah. The way you came up, in terms of like having, you know, cousins, brothers, et cetera, and you were saying like, like, I think that's a huge deal with how you are when you become an adult. Like, when you get disciplined and you get your mouth washed out with some, when you got somebody like cousins and siblings um, that'll put you in line, you know, or keep you in line, so to speak. It's different than somebody who didn't have that, who grew up and there wasn't any kind of discipline like that. And you can almost tell when some people are floating around through life and it's like, my man, you are really loose with it. Yeah. Well, you know what the funny thing is? Uh, I, I, I joke about this with my mom a lot uh, because when I was a kid, I still had a really strict, like, household. Um, I wasn't able to sleep over, like, friend's house until I was 18. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, like... And they seriously, and my mom seriously had, like, that control over me until I was 18. Like, he, like uh, curfew, 1030, um, you know, uh, wouldn't, wait, wouldn't be able to go, go out so late with my friends, even, like, middle school. And I just remember one, like, one example where I was telling my mom, we were talking about my childhood, and there was one example of, I played baseball my entire life, um, after a baseball game, summer day, uh, it was on the weekend. We had like a double header and my friends were having a pool party at night and they were going to sleep over. Um, they just got to, they got MVP baseball, which is a very 2005 statement, but they yeah. got MVP baseball uh, on PS2 and they're like, all right, Angelo, come over. Let's play. It's like, we, you can sleep over. I'm like, um, I got to ask my mom. And it's like, uh, it, it, I don't think I'll be able to pick you up and you're not going to sleep over. So I'm like, ah, shit. So I, disappointed I go home um then my brother's at home and he's like um I'm going out to Clay that's my cousin uh Clay's house uh they're gonna watch the fight there was a boxing match on and they're gonna they're gonna watch the fight and uh we're gonna play cards and my mom's like oh yeah bring your brother and you know I, and I was psyched because I loved hanging out with my cousins but she was worried about me going to a family friend's house where we were going to do the most innocent shit ever. We're going to play baseball, sleep over, you know, watch a movie, probably have junk food. When I was at my cousin's house, they would sit around a card table smoking cigarettes, me getting all the secondhand smoke in the world, drinking un obscene amounts of, you know, whiskey and wine, watching violence on the TV, like paid violence, like watching two gladiators fight, them swearing, them talking about, you know, uh, girls they went out with. And I'm like, yeah. when, I, when I realized when I'm in my 20s, like, it was way worse sending me to my cousin's house <laughs> doing anything. Oh, yeah, and then one time my cousins, uh, they, they would, because we weren't old enough to play cards, we would always watch them play cards. So my other two cousins would go in the backyard and blow shit up. And one time they almost started the whole backyard on fire because they put a uh, they put a half a was it a half a half a mortar or something like a, a mortar firework in a, oh, wow. a rabbit hole, and it exploded and the fucking thing and then the grass caught on fire, and I'm like thinking about like we wouldn't have done that shit at my friend's house. No, would've, we would have been under parental supervision. Yeah, no one would have cared. Like my cousins were seventeen and sixteen, and I was so like, bad. and I was like. I was like 10 years, I was like 11 or uh, 12 years old at the time. And they were like just doing some 
really reckless thing. So, but apparently like my mom had no problems with that. Like, Oh, you can go to Wisconsin Dells over the weekend with your cousins. Like I wasn't going to be partaking in underage drinking or any of that stuff. I go with them when I was like 16 or 17, but my friend's house, like, no, they're going to, they're going to drink at your, your friend's house. Like, all right, well, it's, it's okay if your cousins do it, but if your friends do it, it's, it's, it's blasphemy. Because it's family. Man, you may, maybe don't let your mom listen to this podcast because you kind of threw, threw your cousins. Oh, he, he knows all these things. He, like, he knows oh, really? what happened. Oh, yeah. Like, my cousins, if you, if, she knows exactly what my cousins do. Uh, we had to deal with them a lot as kids, and that was, uh, that was kind of the huge. That was, that was the norm. Like, they were going to do some really stupid things, like crazy stupid things, and that was, that was totally fine for them. But, like, God forbid my friend, my friend did it. Yeah. Like you can't hang out with them anymore. It's like the cousins are probably the worst influences on me ever. What, who was anyone in your family um, lifting weights or like, how did you end up gravitating towards lifting weights? So I mean, we kind of, um, I mean, we you know a lot of, a lot of cliches has been thrown in these like uh, first whatever, like 10 to 15 minutes. But we, if you're a tail, you loved Rocky growing up. Oh, you fuck really me. fucking loved Rocky. It's, Aside from Pulp Fiction, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. Definitely my favorite movie franchise of all time. And we were always just gravitated towards Sylvester Stallone, Rocky, especially Rocky IV. Like, when I was four years old, I watched Rocky IV at least 17 to 20 times, just on repeat. Um, there's a lot of home movies of me watching Rocky II when I was, like, two or three years old. And when he did the, the training montage in the second Rocky, I would start running around the house and doing push-ups. Oh, like no shit. I would, I was, I, I was obsessed with Rocky, but yeah, my family, my brother, um, you know, lifted weights, wasn't exactly into like the whole powerlifting thing, just lifted weights, just to lift weights, uh, to get big pretty much. Um, and the reason why I kind of gravitated towards powerlifting was, uh, high school. Uh, I played football. I sucked at football and the only way to get better for me was to get stronger. Um, wasn't going to be a guy run a four, three forty was slow as hell, uh, pretty slow footed. Um, I, they put me a defensive lineman, um, when I was 14. So I think they assumed I was going to quit right away. <laughs> like this little kid, we put him at defensive line and like, he's going to get his ass kicked by all these offensive linemen. And I did for like the first three weeks. And then I started to, you know, understand how the game was played, but I had to lift weights, uh, in order to really stick with them. And the high school I went to actually had a really good weightlifting program. Um, hard. It was difficult. Um, it was pre-bullying, anti-bullying uh, era. So, like, coaches and players can say a lot to you and get away with it without it becoming a news story. Yeah. So, I was in the weight room, hated every second of it when I was 14 and 15. I uh, was so ashamed of my strength that for my 16th, uh, 15th birthday, um, I convinced my mom to get me a bench set uh, so I could work out during the season. And so I didn't wasn't as weak as everyone else. And that actually really helped me going into like my sophomore year because um, I worked at it, got really good at just lifting weights. I was a much better weightlifter than I was football player. And that was the only reason why I was able to play football. Um, I put on a lot of muscle. It was like towards my senior, my junior, senior year was one of the stronger guys on the team, like uh, second all time on the list or second on that board, but he had a cool strength board. Oh, the, damn. Uh, the guy who was first place with Miami Dolphins right now. So that's, so I guess I, I think I still out squatted him, but he was a he was a fucking beast um, weightlifter. But 
I would get into weightlifting then just so I could play football, just so I don't get my ass kicked every week um, by a bunch of bigger, stronger guys. Uh, Cause I was vastly undersized still, even with, with lifting weights. And then once football was over, um, I didn't really have much to do. I knew I wasn't going to play collegiate sports. I, I also played baseball, wasn't very good at baseball either. Um, and just kind of wanted to work out, wanted to do something and work out on my own terms, which it didn't take me until I was like 23 to really pick up, uh, fully pick up powerlifting. I always did the compound movements, but it was always just, you know, so I could put muscle on. I was really into like uh, bodybuilding, but never wanted to compete when I was like 18 through 22 years old. Never really wanted to compete, just wanted to constantly lift weights and um, see, see, where, see where it could take me. So you, you joined powerlifting. I think your first competition was 2016, right? You were 23 at the time. And um, before that, like powerlifting, not that it's like a, a major sport right now, but far bigger than it used to be, especially like social media. You got guys like Russell or, or I mean, in the untested, you got people close to a million followers, but there's, there's, you, you can, if you, you can find it or it can find you. How before 2016, if you had 20,000 followers, you were like, you had a shitload of followers, which is not fair. Like, that's not like in terms of like major sports, right? Like our reach wasn't there for powerlifting. So before 2016, yeah, you would have a lot of people like yourself who'd be like lifting weights, have all the skills to make it in powerlifting, but not even know that there's a venue for it. So you're lifting weights being like, all right, I'm doing it for a different sport. But I'm better at the training than I am the sport. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm better at the strength training. You're like, where should I go? And then when you find powerlifting, you're like, why didn't I find this sooner? Like, here it yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, the, the, the ironic thing is my coach, uh, Coach Conisette, told me that I had a future in – he said I had a future in powerlifting. But he, I think, meant weightlifting because he saw my power clean form. And he's like, Jesus, your powerlifting form is, like, top three I've ever seen. He's like, you're oh, – wow really good um with these movements and as said with deadlift too like he's he always used me an example as like proper deadlift form proper squat form um just to, to show the younger guys how to do something and what and what you said is uh I, I speak a lot about this on two white lights too is you know at that time the powerlifting was all kind of geared and it was kind of goofy looking like we it's like and then only thing we would see is like a crazy 900 pound bench in a, you know, uh, a multiply division or something. Yeah. So you're just like, okay, I'm not as good as that, obviously. Uh, but when, when I got into powerlifting in 2016, I was, I don't know how I miss Candido, but I miss Candido's rise to, you know, uh, you know, putting power, natural powerlifting, uh, drug tested powerlifting into the mainstream of fitness. And I miss that. I don't know how, because I always used to watch uh, Lane Norton videos, uh, especially for nutrition. I mean, really only for nutrition. Then he put out some really good stuff about exercise science and team three DMJ used to watch them. They're all kind of involved with the USAPL. Uh, Cause I think Eric Helms coaches uh, Bryce Lewis or especially at that time he did. And I just don't know how the hell I missed it in 2014 and 15, which would have been a great time to get into the sport. But then even in 2016, when I competed for the first time, you know, my friend did a meet and I was like, all right, let's see how this goes. I just really wanted to place in the top three. 
And I did really, I, I, and I don't have a bad like first meet story. It was a really, really good meet. It went nine for nine, hit all these numbers, went best overall lifter. But I still wasn't even like fully invested in the sport. Mm. I, had to, I had to get on Instagram to really get involved and more invested into it. And yeah, like I just, I, 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 a part of me is a little upset that I didn't get into the sport like in 2014 and 15 when Candido was doing all of his uh, great things. It would have been it's, cool to be a part of that early. It's yeah, because you would have been successful as well. I mean, the younger you would have been, um, different age categories too. It's the thing is, even though Candido was doing great in terms of exposure, it still was like a sport where you got to go online and look for it, and then you'll find Candido. Whereas um, if you're not look, it was at a time where if you weren't looking for it, it'd be difficult for sub for it to find you. Like it wasn't mainstream. We didn't get. Uh, a media push we didn't get like no mainstream media is going to help us in terms of powerlifting up so i know you know you you can pass it by now it's a lot greater i remember um in 2007 i started powerlifting and i mean you could you go to any gyms any cities more than likely there's no powerlifters not a single fucking powerlifter Whereas, so if you were in a city with a powerlifting team, it was a big deal. In my man's, there was never a girl powerlifting. It was like maybe out of 10 dudes, there's one girl. And that's the demographics. You fast forward to 2020 and it's, every city's got multiple powerlifting teams. Um, women are, it's not quite a parody, but it's far greater. And you can actually, you start getting strong in any particular gym, people will be like, you know, you, you should be powerlifting. Right. Whereas there was a time period before, before the IPF went unequipped and then social media took off and we started getting some showdowns. People aren't saying that to you now they were, but you would just be strong and there'd be, no one's going to find you and say, Hey, have you heard of powerlifting? You just got to stumble across it and you're not going to stumble across it in the newspaper. You're not going to stumble yeah. across it on net uh, on TV. You just got to fucking hope to God you're perusing YouTube. So you could miss guys like Candido. Unfortunately, but you did find it at 23. So um, I, I was looking up your stats. You were winning like all the way through and you were, you started off pulling in the 600s, mm. you know, and you were always, you know, uh, you were obviously you were good at, you were built to power lift, you know, yep. right up until you started off in a different fed though. How did you find, was it just a local fed that was close? People pointed you to it and you started lifting. Like how did, when you found powerlifting and started competing, who was coaching you and how did you decide what fed you were lifting in, et cetera? So for the fed, I started, and I, I speak about this a lot on uh, my, my, my own podcast, um, which, you know, people who are also listening are probably going to be sick of me, you know, telling this, you know, same okay. story, but who gives a shit? I don't care. Yeah, and, right. You know what? You guys got it. I'm not that interesting. You're going to hear the same story. Deal with it. Yeah. So, um, so, I was convinced to do a meet AAPF, uh, the Drug Tested Federation of APF, um, by my friend who uh, I didn't necessarily go to high school with, but he went to the same high school with me. We had a weightlifting background, and like four weeks out from the meet, he convinced me to do it with him. Um, and I didn't have a coach. Um, I was running Dr. Lane Norton's PH3 trainer uh, mm. for that meet, and the APF, the AAPF is local to Illinois. Um, Eric Stone meets rector. I love that guy. Um, had him on my show. I just really enjoy talking to the dude. He directs a lot of meets in the area. 
and he was able to, you know, put, and he also like broke me into the sport, you know, had this, like these, this beginner lifting seminar that got me, you know, kind of understanding the sport, what attempt selections were and all that kind of stuff. So I did APF just because it was close, um, was kind of aware of the USAPL at that stage, um, had an Instagram, not my like powerlifting Instagram, but a personal Instagram that I would kind of see videos here and there from. And when I did that federation, um, I did well, like my very first meet, I won best overall lifter and had really good performance. So I'm like, okay, what's, what's next? What do I do? And they're like, you should do nationals. So I did AAPF nationals again, local. It was uh, 15 minutes. The very same venue they had USAPL raw nationals um, mm. uh, this, uh, this year. They had uh, in the Weston Hotel in Lombard. So again, that's like 10 minutes away from my house. Um, so I did that meet. Thought I was going to get my ass kicked. Uh, was like, I saw the sizes of the dudes and I didn't quite understand weight classes and like divisions. So I saw like 181 pound guys squat like 650. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get my ass kicked today. But it was wrapped and it was equipped and all that stuff. And I was the yeah. only raw guy there. And I was going about the competition doing really well. And someone's like, I think you're going to win best overall lifter. Uh, actually, my good friend Robert uh, Bain, Bain316, if you guys want to give him a follow. He's like, I think you're going to win best overall lifter right now. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like, this guy just squatted, you know, 600 pounds. I squatted, you know, barely into the fives today. He's like, yeah, but he's equipped. You're, you're raw. And I didn't know the differences between, like, I thought we're all on the kind of the same uh, playing field. And, again, another nine for nine meet. Didn't have a coach. I just did it because it was close. Uh, again, the other meets that I've done, they were all within the state of Illinois. And I the, – the joke for a long time was Dr. Lane Norton was my coach, and it, it picked up more steam as I got better at the sport and started my own powerlifting page where I was – running the same online program up until this year, really, uh, up until 2019 Raw Nationals. Um, I was running the PA3 program consistently, and actually co I got myself up to like a plus 700 deadlift when I was in the WB, uh, when I was in the AAPF and AWPC, and then in the USAPL2, all just doing that one program. Didn't have a coach, called out my own numbers. <laughs> didn't have That's a, a good advertisement for him. Oh, yeah, dude, Lane owes me fucking money. He, or, or I don't know, because like, it was a free program, but he owes me something to like, because from my understanding, powerlifters don't love that program. It's a little bit too volume intensive, and it breaks people, or so yeah. they say. Um, I just never got hurt off it and was able to get myself into a plus 700 deadlift, where I still think in 2019, without coaching, I had one of the bigger deadlifts in the USAPL. So 100%. Was, and, you know, I did it like a dumbass, too. I had a weird janky deadlift thing where I would do it in squat shoes and I just I, I was if you don't believe because I often advertise how stupid I am if you don't believe I'm stupid just just listen to this like this entire thing just didn't decide to get coaching did everything in squat shoes just because I was ignorant like I didn't know I sh couldn't do that stuff. are you saying you had heels on when you were deadlifting yeah, I had a Yangsu on my show, and then he had to ask me, because Yangsu is, I still consider him the best 181-pound deadlifter in the world. Um, my record or not, he's still the best. But he had to ask me, he's like, so why do you, why do, you do the, the deadlift with the squash shoes? I was always curious. I never really uh, like got to ask you that until I interviewed him. And I just said, I, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to. 
And then it became a thing. And I was so, I'm like, but my deadlift's 722 pounds right now. So why would I change? Like from to, to flats, like out of the blue. And he's like, I cannot believe you got yourself to a 700 pound deadlift. And the entire time you didn't know you weren't supposed to do it. Dog, like, you know, the, the you were so ignorant and dumb to everything that you just didn't <laughs> understand like how to deadlift. If the worst would be if people saw that and it became a trend where you're like, well, oh, squat shoes. That's what you became, should do. It then. became a bit of a trend. Uh, on, because when I, I started answering a lot of questions on the squat shoe deadlift and like, dude, I think it, I actually think it works. I think you're onto something here. And like, I, I don't do it for a reason. I do it because I'm dumb. I'm like, I don't think you should take advice. <laughs> You're like, no, don't, I don't do it. I, I don't think you should take advice from a person who really doesn't know why they're successful in something. Like, that's why, that's why I'm always, like, uh, away from, like, steer, steering away from coaching. Is like, because I don't really – I ran the same online program. I deadlifted in squat shoes. And that was just because of ignorance. Like, it wasn't no rhyme or reason to it. It's because I didn't know any better. Um, but yeah, it did become a bit of a trend. Uh, got my coaching 2019, right after Raw Nationals. I was upset that I was 12th, um, that I placed 12th. I think I was 14th overall in USAPL. And if you're a competitor, I don't think, even, even with my deadlift, I don't really care uh, too much about a deadlift if I'm 14th in, the, in, the, in a federation. Um, that's when I decided to get coaching from Joe Stanek, uh, guest on your podcast before, guest on my podcast as well. He's the one who got me out of the squat shoes and, and coached me up. And, you know, 2020 has been really good to me, uh, right? That, that, that just, I think six months of coaching or four or five months of coaching from him has been so beneficial, so good. quick. And yeah. And then it just kind of makes me, the part of me is happy that I did the, you know, I'm sorry I had to, um, I, I think we're so hands off me and Lane Norton that I'm not sure he doesn't know he's not coaching me anymore. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, he doesn't know he's not, he shares your videos. Like, take a look at this kid. It's like, yeah. Lane, Lane, you, you haven't been coaching me the last half year. I, <laughs> well, yeah, that was, uh, that was a funny joke with the uh, raw nationals was everyone was like, so what does uh, coach Lane think of your uh, performance? I'm like, I don't think he knows I exist. Um, I, I don't think he knows I exist. And, he, there was enough memes made where he caught light to it and actually uh, found out who I was. So that was cool because I always look up the lane. But it's like I enjoyed that part of my career where I was just doing things my way and doing and learning how to lift. I think that's a thing that lifters, young lifters especially, don't do is learn how to lift themselves. Learn the sport themselves. Don't get everything spoon-fed to them. Get shit wrong yourself. Get shit right yourself. Just do it experiment with it and then maybe when you hit that wall like I did then get coaching and then that coaching that I got like I, I think it's five months actually five months of coaching I got from Joe has been fantastic I mean all my lifts have improved I feel more comfortable on all three lifts and he improved the good deadlift good deadlifter to a even better deadlifter so um makes me realize what would happen if I maybe got coaching like in 2018 going into USAPL because I got an AAPF simply because the competition was just not there. They're just, I was winning best overall lifter with going four for nine. So. Yeah. It, well, when, I, when that was happening though, like, did you feel when you were leaving the fed? Cause you, you felt attachment to some of the people running it. Did you feel kind of like, fuck, I don't want to jump ship, but I think I've outgrown you. Was that tough? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I was always, 
I, I'm still, you know, good friends with the uh, people. I go to all the AAPF meets uh, locally. Um, obviously not now because there's a goddamn pandemic. But um, every AAPF meet that happens, APF meet, I try to go to and just, you know, give my money and support because I think the local federations, that's how people get involved in powerlifting. That's how I got involved. Um, and really there was everyone kind of agreed. All my friends agreed like, yeah, you're, you're getting into the top 20 in the world with your total. Let's start actually competing and try to push guys like Russ Noriega, uh, uh, you know, um, Deuce and then all these, and Jamar and all these guys who I really admired uh, from afar. And it's like, I want to, challenge myself because they are the best in the world I was not competing with the best in the world um, would do international competitions but again would win those competitions quite easily especially for raw lifting um, so there was a it, there wasn't really a, a tough thing there it was it was an obvious solution I was um, and I've always been well I started to get that competitive edge more into powerlifting I got because when man you you really think your shit doesn't stink when you, you know, break an American record your first meet, but then you really get deeper into the sport and you're like, okay, my American record is not the American record. Yeah. Because <laughs> like when I, when I pulled um, the 700 for the first time in a meet, uh, which, you know, got me a lot of clout on Instagram, you know. That is still huge me. though. Yeah, it was huge. Still- so then I would have to like, I'm like, so where, where does that put me on the rankings wise? Then I saw Yang Su and Hack. Like, holy shit, those are huge uh, deadlifts. So I'm like, even with that, 700 pounds, there's still guys who could deadlift more than me. And then I didn't even know USAPL used a stiff bar. So I knew oh, there was okay. – there's not – you're not playing with the the same set of cards here. You're uh, – right. it's a little bit more difficult for them. Um, so that's uh, – that yeah, it's primarily, you know, the, the shift. When, when you're doing it, though, so when you went from, um, you know, the previous Fed to the USAPL – slash IPF people wouldn't have did people see you coming and when you hit the the raw nationals because it was quick man I think you did one meet and then raw nationals and then boom here I am you're you're pulling I think you attempted what would have been the unofficial I remember messaging you saying you know that would have been a world record if you got it or if not breaking it exactly or around there you're like fuck didn't even know that so you and you like were right there on it I think it was just out of your hands at the top so did people not see you coming and then they're like, what the shit? Because you, you just kind of jumped in, in the deep end real quick. Well, so um, when I pulled 705, it was a local APF meet. So I think that was uh, 2018 when I first pulled it. That's when, and I had my personal like, or my, I had my powerlifting Instagram page. So that's the power mm-hmm. of social media. You do something and it wasn't a bullshit lift either. It was a good lift. I know sometimes in the APF and other federations that aren't USAPL, you could be like, eh, you know, it was a good lift, but the judges might have given it to them. It was a good lift. It was a good 705. And I think that's when uh, Candido, like, reposted me on a thing. Like, this guy just did this in squat shoes, uh, too. That's, like, kind of the squat shoes craze. He kind of I, – I credit Candido with a lot of my initial clout. And then, you know, it got passed around where – and I, of course, followed a lot of these um, power lifters, too, along the time. And – it was, I don't think, I think guys like uh, Russ and um, Marcus and uh, some of the other top 10 guys didn't know who I was. But, you know, I was always, even at that time, going into my first USAPL meets, um, you know, I was, I was talking to Noriega regularly. 
Uh, I would talk to Yang Su, talk to Jamar, uh, interviewed all of them on my podcast and had a lot of conversations with them. So they knew who I was going into uh, my first Raw Nationals. Now, after, after Raw Nationals, um, still, I think people started to catch a little bit more. They started to notice me after the Arnold, where I broke yeah. the American record. That's Russ actually had to tip his cap and be like, all right, you're, you got a good deadlift, man. And, um, and, and since then, I've been, you know, he, he now knows I exist. Like, that's thing. But all the other top 1083s and all the other guys in the USAPL, they kind of they did already know me. And that was another reason, you know, my powerlifting page is, was pretty big at that. I mean, not big, big, but big enough where – Yeah, enough. Could, yeah, thousands uh, of people. Yeah, converse with other powerlifters. I had my – you know, I have my powerlifting uh, podcast. And I had guests on. So, um, I, I, think, I think I was very appropriately rated – I didn't come out of nowhere. Like I was known as the guy with the big deadlift and the, the mediocre other two lifts. And that's exactly what I was like that. Like that's uh that's, that's the perfect rating. So, and I didn't really creep up on anyone. I came into the meet ranked 12th in the world and I left or 12th in the USAPL and I left at 12th in the USAPL. So it's that like, fair. yeah, perfect. <laughs> like perfect, perfect, total, perfect rating of what I exactly am as a power lifter. I think so. In terms of, well, I remember you before the USAPL and I remember reposting on King Lips as well. So I knew about you as well. So that's fair uh, because you had a big debt. I was always reposting your debt. I'm not, I don't remember how I found you or, um, but you know, whatever. I probably did the prototypical, I probably sent you a video. And I need that because here's the thing. Some people, some people send me videos and be like, uh, they feel somewhat like bashful about it. And I'm like, listen, it's such a big world. I, some people like, oh, I know I'm sending you a video. I'm like, I need you to do this for me because I need 15 videos a day. I don't need 15 videos a day, but to do that, I need people to help me out. Please shoot me a video if you got a PR, like help me out. And you know what, hey, guys, if you're, this is the thing, I, I always get in these conversations because there's, um, and we, I actually had a great podcast with Russ about this, like clout, clout, uh, clout chasing. Like people will say they don't want to chase clout and they're like, I don't want to go in their DMs. I don't want to seem like chasing clout. Like, yeah. You're always chasing clout. You're always doing that. You're, you have a powerlifting Instagram page. You're chasing clout already. You don't need to have any of this. You cannot exist in the sport of or the Instagram powerlifting world. If you're proud of your lift, send it to King of the Lift. Send it to yeah. any page. It's fine. Yeah. Do it. 100%. Don't have shame. It's fine. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of things to be shameful of. Yeah. Sending a powerlifting page, your deadlift video that you're proud of. And I do remember the first time you reposted me because – that video, um, a lot of crazy things were said that I didn't think would be said on the internet about me. Uh, a lot what of was that? but also, oh, dude, I remember we could, I can maybe try to find it. I was, yeah. I sent you a video. I hit seven ten at the gym, good lift, but fuck, the comments were hilarious. I actually was very proud. I think I got like almost two hundred thousand views on your page. We have oh. to, we have to double check that because I was, I was actually very proud of it. But yeah, dude, that's I'm arranging like, holy shit, this guy's crazy. This is an awesome deadlift. So like, you know, people making fun of the squat shoes, people making fun of sumo, obviously people saying that it's not a deadlift because I was using too much of my legs and not enough back, which I'm like, all right, you could do that. You could try to lift everything with your back and see how, see how you are when you're uh, 35, um, how your, how your back health is. But, you know, and then the the typical comments questioning my sexuality, um, if they mistake me as being gay and very fabulous. So I could totally understand that part. Um, like it was, I'm like, holy shit, like all this from a deadlift. 
and it was, <laughs> and that was a big, and that was, uh, it was, uh, it was, I got into, you know, people were DMing me awesome things. It was like 99% awesome, 1% yeah. like weird hate. Um, but like that was my inner, in, I think my introduction really into uh, mainstream social media powerlifting was getting posted on, uh, was getting posted on the page. And yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty wild. And it was because I sent you a video. There was no way you were going to find me if I didn't send you shit. And I appreciate it. And that's where you're 100% right. Um, a couple comments about that. So yeah, the world is so big a place and there's so many divisions and so many like top 15 in 83s. And then how many different divisions there are alt 15, then different genders and then different federations. It's like, um, people got to help me out and like be your own PR. And there's nothing when I post that, there's going to be people who love that shit and are like, thank you. I'm glad I found you. Just like you, you might find Candido, you might find whoever people might find you. And then now all of a sudden they find you, they find your podcast. They like your personality. They're finding you on Instagram. They're not going to be inspired. If you don't like get the ball rolling, but let me throw it out there. If people appreciate it, cool. Um, in terms of uh, sometimes the comments. So when I post like a shitload in a day, I can't always monitor comments sometimes, right? Don't, I try to. Don't but, even uh, monitor them because yeah, that's like it's the almost impossible. Yeah, that's, uh, no, don't even, don't even do it because that, that's like the, you, I think you just got to let comments be. You just got to do it. Like freedom of speech is so important. And if, if you have a dumbass opinion, you could, you're entitled to that dumbass opinion that you could say, it's up to us to call you out and say, hey, right. your opinion is fucking stupid and we need like to see the interaction between people. And I think I've like, I, I, I actually enjoy seeing someone comment something negative. I'm like, all right, now I can finally talk some shit. Now I'm going to go on their page. I'm going to see some stuff. I'm going to make fun of them. It's almost like a sport for me. Um, I guess the hateful stuff is, uh, is I, I see a lot of lifters get like real unfair, hateful shit, but at the same time, like, this is the world of social media. You kind of got to roll with the punches. And I think when people are called out on it, um, it's actually more, more useful to call people out on the dumb shit that they say, as opposed to like blocking, like what they yeah. say. Cause you could, you could silence them a little bit. And some people are just looking for, it depends, right? Like if it's a, if it's a comment that's, if it's about the sport or whatever, all oh, fair game. Some people like, like attack if it's a, a larger woman, and they attack her weight, then I'm like, like if she's got a big 500 pound squat, and they're like, okay, so what, body weight? Then I'm yeah. like, that might make her feel for real shitty. Yeah. That I might delete, but um, but that's only because it'd be yeah. like for real shitty, as opposed to, you know, if it's just like, and you, you also get a vibe where a guy like you, you'll go in there, you could go, t you could debate somebody and make him feel foolish. And it's like, ah, my, you, you're the troll is opening a door he doesn't want to walk through. You're going to get, you're going to get roughed up. If that's what you want, kid, go in there. But so you kind of get a vibe as well for that. But I, I've posted before, like one time there was a, like of, in terms of the comments, you can have a quarter of a million people view a video and only have, I say only, but let's say there's 200 comments. That's a fraction of the people who watch that and like, you can have thousands of likes. And oftentimes that's like the vocal minority that's like, don't worry, that's not what people think about you when they see like the overall impression of that. I remember this one girl, I had posted her videos, a bench video, and she had a big arch and there was people going there being like bullshit, whatever. Was it, uh, that's a, was it uh, Kelowna? 
maybe. I mean, I, I can't remember. Like, there's there's been a few, if I'm honest. But um, I remember her saying, messaging or saying, like, ah, shit, here we go again. Like, like it's a gift and a curse to get reposted because you get flamed up. And then I took a screenshot of, who li- of the stats on her post, who, how many views and who liked it. And I was like, listen, you have some nobodies in the comments talking shit. But I was like, take a look at who liked your bench. And it's Jen Thompson. And I'm like, look, she didn't say nothing. She didn't comment. But the goat liked your bench. And she's like, done, worth it. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I was like, look at the stats. 2% are negative comments. Look how many people liked it. Like 98% liked it. And then how many people, like some of the goats, the greatest of all time bencher was like, some fucking bench. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a very good point that you make, uh, like with just how social media operates. Because I, I say this a lot. There's some jabroni lifters who I don't give a fuck about their opinion. And they lift. And they, you know, they're in the sport and they have an opinion. But they're jabronis. I don't care about your opinion of me. I don't care. The only time I'll maybe turn is if someone I actually care and respect for. Um, it, unrelated to lifting, but I mean, you, you experienced this too. You posted a goddamn black screen and you lost followers. Mm. And I did too. And I've been pretty, pretty vocal about um, what I, how I feel about the Black Lives Matter movement. And I lost followers because of it. But not a single person who I actually respect and care about unfollowed me. So, like, that's... That's what you kind of got to look for in social media. If you actually care and respect for the person, maybe you turn around and listen. But there is a lot of jabroni-ass lifters out there who have opinions about certain lifters, certain competitors, certain competitions. And I, again, I really don't give a shit about their opinions. Um, it's, it's I, I'll love to make fun of them if they want to make fun of me. I'll love to troll them right back because um, it's 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 almost a hobby for me. I love slamming people, but um, yeah, like if if you get posted on King of the Lifts and people criticize it, or you get posted on any other powerlifting page, um, just usually the trolls they're either not good enough to get posted on the page and want to be. Or want to be, they want to be involved in, in the sports, but they're not good enough to be in the, you know, the inner circles of higher competition. So their way of doing it is making a goddamn burner account and talking some shit. Like, yeah, you're a jabroni. You're a no one. You're nothing. It's, you're, you're not, you're not making, you're not really making an impact in the sport. That's it. And you want to. And I know a lot of people want to, but yeah. it happens. It happens in everything. I mean, if we're getting criticism for, you know, the great things that we do in the sport, um, myself included and other powerlifters, LeBron James and all of them get criticism. And I, I had one adult male say Giannis, uh, I can never pronounce the geek freak Giannis. He said Giannis is ass at basketball. Giannis is one of the top five players in the world. He is part of 99.9% of a population. I mean, the 0.1% of the population who's amazing at his craft. And you have fucking jabronis who never played sports saying he's ass. Yeah. No, don't listen to those. Like, do you think Giannis cares? Like, oh, this fucking Joe Schmo thinks I'm ass at the sport that I won an MVP in and one of the best in the world at. Yeah, he yeah. can go screw himself. I don't care. I'm going to continue making millions and millions of dollars playing basketball. And guess what? You're going to tune in and watch because that's what jabronis do. They tune in and watch <laughs> that's what jabronis do. It's true. No, it, you're, you're 100% right. Like, 
you don't always have to respond to everybody, not in a serious way. Anyways, if you want to troll back for fun, that's different. But like, um, it, it, there's something powerful about this person is trolling like this to get a reaction because they can't reach the top or echelon of the sport. They're on the outside looking in and they want to get involved. It's okay to be too big to be like, I could stop and respond. Or if you don't think you can do that without disassociating, oh, yeah. um, disassociating your feelings with it and have fun. If you think like, no, this person's actually got me a little ruffled. It's like, think about whose opinion you're giving credibility to, and then just fucking be too big to respond. So the person's like, this guy's not going to respond to me. He's, he's way too big for me to for him to even acknowledge. Me. You could be that big. To, you could yeah. be too big for people. Be too big. Don't, not yeah. everything deserves a response. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I will say there's probably the main population of powerlifters are more classy than I am because I really enjoy responding to those people and, you know, uh, tearing them a new one. But <laughs> the, I mean, the best, well, some of the best trash talk is like, you're not, you're really not even worth my comments on Instagram, not even saying time because that takes five seconds. You're not even worth five seconds of my time to comment on Instagram, let alone me actually associating with you. Uh, yeah. And there's, there's a lot of powerlifters who, are much better than me of just like, I don't, I honestly don't care. And I'm not even going to, they, they, they won't even look at the comments on King of Lifts because it's not, it's not uh, an interest to them. And it shouldn't yeah. be. I just, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I could agree with you there a hundred percent, sir. It is a, it's also like, like, you know, throwing it back to the other sports, these other guys also do the same thing. Look at, I mean, listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, he talks about it all the time. Um, but even the athletes who come on, he has a lot of MMA fighters, boxing. I know you're into that. Um, and, and they all say, and he gives advice saying, never read. It's not just powerlifting, just period. Don't read comments because this isn't unique to powerlifting. I know you know this, but um, like if, if someone gets some negative comments, don't take it personal because it doesn't matter who you are. Kind of like you said with the basketball players, whatever. There's trolls everywhere. And that's what the top of the, the, the tip of the spear actors athletes everywhere don't fucking read the comments because they learn the hard way it's just a cesspool sometimes you know it can yeah, be but but those 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 times where they do read the comments and actually respond are some of the most beautiful moments in trash talking history <laughs> because i i and i and i'm gonna i am a, i'm a big sports fan so i often use like a lot of sports analogies in comparison to other sports but you know kevin durant was found having a burner account on Instagram and I think Twitter too. And he got, he got flamed for that. And you should, because you're a professional athlete, you have a burner account because you do care. He actually cares what people say about him, which is a totally natural human response to right. anything. If they're attacking you personally, it's okay to take something personal. But once he got rid of that and just started commenting himself, I went from hating Kevin Durant, like, man, why is this guy, this guy's this amazing basketball player and he's going to create a burner account and be petty about things. And then he started to respond to trolls himself. And how can you talk shit to Kevin Durant if you're a guy on Instagram? You can't. You yeah. can't talk shit to him. He will eviscerate you. In every, and he has been. And now I have this like crazy respect for Kevin Durant because when he's petty and talks shit back to people, these, again, these jabronis, it's, I love it. I love seeing it. It's funny to me. Um, and I think, I think certain athletes should maybe – Maybe read the comments and then just like respond to one of them saying, I'm making hundreds of millions of dollars a year doing a, playing a child's game and you're on your phone. Like you can't come back from that. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to shit talk people.
when, you, you know, when that happens. You know who, who empower the thing loves it and, and can place it so it doesn't hurt them. It actually motivates them is Lane Norton. Yeah. He, he, he goes into his comments. He goes into, there was some King, like if I post in King of Lifts, Lane Norton lift, some people get in there and I'm, I've messaged him and be like, um, you know, do you want me to like moderate some of these? Or like, how do you feel? Cause sometimes it will get a little personal. Some of them with Lane, people like go into his personal life, not to get into it yeah. right now, but whatever, you know, and, um, and I'm like, look, it's some of these are about powerlifting sporting, but when it gets personal, sometimes I, I ask the lifter, how do you feel about this? And he's like, nah, man, he's like, fucking, it's, it's food to me. That's gas on the fire. That's food on my plate. I'm going in actually. And I'm like, we're going to battle it out. I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and late and, um, cause I've also like, I never trolled Lane Norton, but I disagree with some of the way he goes about arguing. Um, but and I'm never going to question like his logic on things, especially with like exercise science and nutrition. I'm way out of my element, but he is an expert at arguing. He, he takes arguing as an art form. I, I and I enjoy arguing too. Like that's my thing. I really enjoy yeah. arguing. You Call it ask, debating and it's a sport. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can, you can ask my girlfriend, you can ask my family. I just like the, the thing. And I think Lane Norton is so goddamn good at arguing that he welcomes it and he's made a, you know, he could just make video logs about nutrition, science, and all those uh, debunking fitness myths and all that stuff. And But the way he approaches it with such passion and with so much conviction, that's why people respect Lane Norton more than because he would already have his respect, but he is so real and so he articulates an argument so perfectly right. that people respect him more. And I know... Um, even though I, I disagree with certain things that he says or way he goes about, you know, arguing sometimes, I, that's the reason why Lane Norton was, has been the most consistent person for me to follow in the sport, of, just in fitness in general, because I wasn't originally onto him because of fit, or powerlifting. It was because of what he would, how he would debunk nutrition, uh, nutritional myths. Right. And that's got me onto his page, got me onto his YouTube. And I just started really like, this guy really, he just, he just likes to battle. He just likes to fight. And he's so honest about it that, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy uh, people like that. And I know your, your fucking favorite guy, uh, Pug, um, you've been accused of being a Pug stan. Oh, I've been accused of many things. Oh yeah. Many, many times. Um, And I have too, but I like Pug because of that. Like, I like how he kind of goes, he has his platform. He knows exactly what he's doing. I'm a big professional wrestling fan, so I like. I know that. I noticed heel, that about you. Yeah. Yeah, I like the whole heel persona thing. Even though, even though at times I'm like, your trash talk is, eh, it's yeah. a little, it, it's it's not exactly trash talk in my book. It's more of a banter, but I I still like seeing that. I still respect people more who actually want to put their opinion out there and battle with people. Um, and I respect the other too. I'm just saying that it's it's um i think it's it's it could be a lost art at times i i i know you meet about lane where um yeah and look yeah you don't have to like agree with everything that everyone that'll actually never happen you'll never agree with everything someone says like if lane's putting out debates you might be like i don't necessarily agree with it but it doesn't mean you're gonna like him less it shows a maturity where it's like that's fine i don't gotta agree but he is in terms of arguing, you just call it debating instead of arguing, and it's straight up as competition, and, and they have debating contests where you just pick topics and people de 
pick their side and debate. And Lane is phenomenal. I've seen you post this as well, but I've read up on this as well about like um, logical fallacies in terms of debating, calling people out on these logical fallacies and, and knowing, recognizing it's, it's its own sport. Like you said, we're recognizing when someone is using certain tactics within the debate and be like, I see what you did there. And here's, you know, and it, it Lane enjoys that literally goes on to specific shows. He was going to go on Rogan just to debate and it, it in itself is winning, losing, the people decide, like a, almost a contest as well. And then on the flip side, and recognizing that, I'm not crazy into like, into a doing it necessarily myself. I, I don't mind debating, but I'm not, not like, not like Elaine Norton where it's fucking sporting. He's going to come in with notes and be ready. Yeah, I can't, I, can't, I can't debate things just on a whim, but I debate things I care about. Like if, like Fair. it, it, like there's there's certain topics that I just it completely falls by the wayside. I'm like I really don't have much of an opinion on it or a you know a steadfast opinion on something. But there are other things that you know I'm passionate about that I will debate. And I think yeah, and I think with uh, debunking fitness uh, myths and uh, especially things in nutrition, yeah, I think uh, I think Lane has a passion for it, and that's why he's so good at debating that topic. And it's also a topic that's safe, quote unquote safe, where it's not like. Um, look, and I'm not throwing out here something that's going to harm you. This yeah. should be okay to debate nutrition or sports. We should, that's why you and your friends, like period guys can debate sports. And I could be like, oh, you're fucking kidding me. How is GSP not the greatest of all time? You're an idiot. Like, but it's, it's fucking sports. So yeah. you can get away with it. So that's why dudes do it. Cause you get that out of your system and you get like, it's fun. But at the end of the day, are you actually going to be upset that someone doesn't agree that John Jones isn't the GOAT and GSP is? Yeah. No, you're just like, whatever, you know, you, it, so it's, sometimes it's, it's easy um, in terms of like, like pug the GOAT. And I know what you mean where I, cause I know you're, you're a wrestling fan. I see you post up about yeah. it. And um, what do you, where do you think the lines are in terms of, cause here's what I noticed about pug that he'll do that, that I do like there are times when he'll throw a comment on somebody's Instagram and it's a jab. And then I've seen Taylor come back with a, uh, like a, a proper jab too, that he got more likes. So even if take opinion out, Pug commented in the comments and he got 200 likes, Taylor came back, he got 400. So it'd be like, okay, Taylor probably got the better of that one. And Pug will be like, I don't have to respond to that. I'll let him have it. That's fine. Yeah. Pug will be like, you can win that round. I don't have to like get, I got to get lower and like try to outdo you by getting lower. He'll actually understand and be like, well, I did my job. I instigated something. Some, we had a little back and forth. It was fun. People got involved. People enjoyed it. And he yeah. doesn't, I don't think Pug attaches like some people. It's when you get wrapped up in, I have to win. And so it'll be who goes lower. And I'm going to stop talking about powerlifting and start talking about yeah. the fucking family. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, he won't do that. He'll be like, yeah. fuck it. All right, that's well, yours. Yeah, exactly. And it will, um, me and Delaney uh, Wallace, another amazing 83 kg lifter. Um, we talked about like how we kind of want to see static in the sport and, but there's, it's, it's a hard sport to kind of trash talk in powerlifting. Um, and that's why, you know, I, yeah. I'm pretty opinionated and will do quote unquote trash talking, but I really don't have a platform or reason to do it. You know, like I just don't see the necessity. It's gotta be from the heart. It's gotta be real. Right. And between, you know, Pug and Atwood, like, I I look at that trash talk and kind of just like look at it and like all right nothing's really 
damaging is being said here. It doesn't make me more uh, intrigued with the 74 KT division. Yeah, but I would have been that anyways. But the true effect of it is I have to answer questions. And I talk about this so much on Two White Lights, so much so I had Pug on twice. Uh, very few people have you know, been on twice. Where I get questions about Pug, and I'm not Pug. <laughs> I, I get questions about right. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not him. I have to answer questions. People wonder why this is happening, and then I'm in group chats. I'm in uh, this. I, I, I'm involved in social media, and people message him about people message me about him and Atwood, and then all the 74s. Yeah. Like, what do you think about Perkins? What do you think about C? I'm like, do you guys not see that this is the this is the intention? This is how you know something's effective. You can say you don't like him all you want, but if people are talking and sending these videos in a group message. And if people are sending this lifters videos in a group message, like, what do you think of this guy? It's working. I don't think the crash talk is entertaining because I would like to see, because you had the show and I, I was a little harsh about your show with the 74s uh, with the sound quality and all that good stuff. And uh, what was, and what was said um, on it, because I was, getting all this thing like oh do you hear all the trash talking that's going on i listen to him like i don't i don't see trash talking i just see guys talking that's it i'm like i don't really see a battle between them but i you're telling me about it i'm on king of lifts you're interviewing me and we're talking about it still it's effective right. it's working i love it that's why i say he's so effective at being a wrestling heel because the wrestling heel is not supposed to be loved by the crowd you're supposed to Watch that person, not turn off your TV because of how much you dislike that person. That's the point. It's not he has he gets heat in a good way. He gets heat and bringing a spotlight to the sport. That's that's the true effectiveness of it. Um, where I see like the battles between Atwood and Pug, it's like I I just I, I would like to see a little, maybe a little bit more battle between them, but you know I, I don't think it's going to happen soon because I think Atwood uh, a flock Pug it's uh well i don't know i'm not sure but it, it i think so, it depends on what atwood's going through at certain times what part of it well first off before we get into that yeah like numbers don't lie pugs numbers since junior worlds i remember junior worlds stanick actually was my co-commentary he 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 was like i want to do co-commentary if you can can i do the junior 74s and i'm like okay cool i didn't know a shitload about the juniors um i know a lot more about the open just because like those are the big battles right so I was like, tell me about them. And he's like, oh shit, Michael C and Pug, it's going down. And he told me about like some of the trash talk leading into it. And it was an amazing, it was an amazing battle at the junior 74s between Pug and, and C. And Pug had that when he hit the platform, he had that like, he was smiling, throwing winks, and he was like that cocky. Like I knew right off the bat this guy's charismatic. He's trying to do something, anyways. So then at the time, Pug had a thousand followers on Instagram. Um, we're almost exactly a year later. My man's has got like around 20,000. That's 20 times the following. And he's like, numbers don't lie. Uh, yeah. It works. Yeah. And I told this to him before. I'm like, dude, when you first came on Two White Lights, you had less than 10,000 followers right at Nationals. The next time he did Two White Lights, he had more followers than me. I had like 7,000 more followers. And then by the time, you know, we're talking, he doubled my ass. Right. The dude, I'm like, you... You start off, you know, this year with, I think I doubled you, and now you just doubled my ass in the course of three months. I'm like, it's, I don't care what anyone says about it, if it's the right way, a wrong way of doing it. Um, I say, if that's your goal, 
is to get more eyes onto the sport and to yourself, then he's, he's killing it. And uh, I think a lot, I don't, I'm not promoting that more lifters do this because I think it's gotta be, it's gotta be natural because a lot of people could kind of tell people could smell bullshit. People can be stupid, but they could smell when it's uh, genuine or not. And um, hate, hate to give this guy a spotlight, but um, the not cool Evan uh, Vegan. Uh, Evan I knew Harden. you were going to say, I knew, yeah, I knew exactly Harden. what you were talking about before you said that. Was like, it's kind of like, okay, is it genuine? Well, I call him the not cool Evan because the cool Evan, the cool Evan Vegan's Evan Glasgow. That guy's a fucking man. But um, you're like, is it genuine? It doesn't seem genuine. And then you look, Pug is a fucking great lifter. He is a fantastic lifter. I don't know if he's going to total 800 kg. I don't know if he's going to beat Atwood at that competition, but I don't care. He's a great lifter. He's top five in the world. The dude has a, you know, record-setting deadlift. He's amazing. Evan, on the other hand, is not that good of a lifter. I think I have a better – in competition, I might have a better 198-pound deadlift than he does. And I never competed in 198. Your deadlift is amazing. You, you got oh, the biggest deadlift still, we've ever seen. Still, <laughs> if, if, he's, if he's gonna start calling out all these, and then who does he call out? Garrett Fear, you know, uh, tries to do these things, and like, you know, it's entertaining for a sec, but it goes away. Like that stuff goes away because there's nothing. I don't think it's genuine. I don't think it's like coming from a place of reality. I think it's coming from a place I want clout. I'm gonna take whatever route I can. But you gotta have the other features. You gotta be you know, as good as Pug, where he is one of the best in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And Evan, unfortunately for him, he's not, even though I do say he's the best chicken shit heel in, if he was a wrestling character, best chicken shit heel of all time. What does that mean? Is that a wrestling term? Yes. So chicken shit heel um, is a, I would say if you're familiar with Chris Jericho, um, yeah. famous Canadian, uh, yeah. Canadian uh, wrestler. He would do the thing of he would annoy the audience so much he would go out, all oh, my Jericho holics in attendance and say that they love him, that he's their guy. He's <laughs> when their they icon. Hate him. He would call out like Goldberg, like, Goldberg, I still have one win over you. And Goldberg would never show up to the match because he didn't <laughs> set the match. Yeah, yeah. And he would do, and he would do that. It's like, and then like if a fight happens, he would run away. Yeah, that's amazing. And the crowd would just hate it. The crowd would just – but you want to see him get his ass kicked. That's the point. Yeah. You want to see him lose because he generated so much heat. And that's kind of like the chicken shit heel. It's like I'm going to call out the entire division. I'm going to call out all these wrestlers and then not even show up to the fight. Like not even go. That's like – and I think yeah. he's done that terrifically where everyone is just like – he's like, all right. He called out Garrett um, and, you know, about – about his deadlift and all that, you know, all that stuff, and doesn't doesn't go to the competition. I know, yeah, yeah. Like it's, I'm like, did did you read Chris Jericho's playbook before you did it? Like that. He might be a genius. Evan might yeah. be a genius. Might be a genius, <laughs> but it's like at the same time, though, I think like it it that kind of stuff ends if you don't have that skill. Chris right. Jericho, terrific wrestler. He can right. and he's still going today strong. Let's say like Pug can maybe get away with that too because he's such a good powerlifter. Evan, good. I'm not going to say anyone with like, you know, uh, over 700 pound, close to 800 pound deadlift is a bad power lifter, but right. world class, eh, no. Yeah, I think, I think what we're basically saying is don't try to reach up too many rankings up. Like you, number 25 can't call out top 10. You got to make it in the top 10. Then, then, you're, then you're all contenders. And that's why I really like, I, that's why I don't really trash talk really. I, it's like people talk about, you know, um, 
just you know, and I'm, and I'm very proud of the, the progress I've made in the sport. But dude, I'm not I'm not on Russ's radar as far as total goes. His best day, he outtotals me by 50 keys. I know I can improve, but that's the reality of it. It's gonna take the time for me to get to that level, and that's why there's certain guys who actually can talk smack. Because what if I what what would happen if I talk smack to Russ? Like, dude, I'll total you by 50 keys. Like, you're not you're not there yet. You're not even you're not you might not even be top five. Like, it's you you got to have something to really talk about. But you know, he did he did catapult himself into some clout by doing that. But uh, it's you know, there's there are there, there's levels to it, and it's also, yeah. I mean, what does the cloud do? At end of the day, <laughs> it's what does the cloud gonna do for you when you just go about your day and people call you a dickhead and people yeah. don't? It's not. It doesn't. It can't feel good. Like I don't. It could. It could. I mean, it could. You know, uh, it could. It could land you a sponsorship, which, you know, powerlifters like to bitch all the time that there's no money in it, but then they're they're really against you know. Uh, getting sponsorships like yeah that's the way you make money in this sport guys it's like you and there's not much of it I'll tell you that you um have to be an entrepreneur yourself to really market yourself and get actual money from it um there's very few guys who are very successful in doing that but that's yeah that's really all the uh, the clout gets you it's either for fun or you know um a sponsorship from some brand which also it's going to get, it, it depends. You got to find that fine line. It's going to be hard to get a sponsorship. If you constantly say really outlandish shit on Instagram, you're not marketable when you do that. Yeah. And, and um, it is, yeah, you really do got to watch because even in the future, let's say you decide to turn it off and clean it up. Some of the shit you might've said, people like, I, I can't touch you now though, because we know in the internet, things don't go away. So it's like, well, I mean, now you're good. Now you're, you put on 50 keys on your total. I can't touch you now though, because you fucking went so overboard a few years ago when you were younger, a little less mature. Look at me. I'm fucking, I'm glad there wasn't social media when I was younger, but um, so I'm like, it's a lot easier for me, but I don't, I also try not to be um, to the point where like, if someone tries to like say sorry and back some things up, take it back. I try not to be like, nah, you're, you're canceled and you're dead for life and yeah. go fuck yourself. Because there has to be wiggle room. There's difference between a post that's negative and Bill fucking Cosby. All right. Yeah. Bill Cosby's dead for life. Don't come yeah. to me. He can't say story. You're gone. All right. There's people like that. Harvey Weinstein, whatever. Yeah. Just monsters. But if you make a stupid comment when you're 24 and then when you're 34 and you're like, look, it, you might dig up some comments. I was a troll. I was an idiot across the line. That's not me now. I do feel like we got to be like, you got to give some people a path back. Otherwise, man, there's not a person I've ever met who hasn't said some dumb shit at some point. It just might not be on the record, but you know. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, this is, uh, well, I mean, I, I, I still actually don't think powerlifting is at a sport where someone could say something stupid in the past and get canceled for it. Because I think there's a lot of powerlifters out there who have done and said some stupid ass things and are not canceled. They are still going in power. We're not big enough, and, right? Yeah. You it's think? like, we're in our little community. Right. They're not even canceled in our like small niche community. Um, and even, I think even in the world of fitness too, it's like not, I, I don't think, uh, I think guys like Dave Chappelle and like all those comedians where they dig back old tweets and old comedy specials that they did and try to cancel. And then it's like, well, yeah, that's because they're Kevin Hart and Dave Chappelle. Like, right. I don't think we'll ever, I mean, that actually might be a good thing if some of us get canceled because that means we're actually big 
and people care about <laughs> well, it's it. True too. Yeah, There's millions like, of dollars. Involved. Again, fine, fine line between what do you want, how, what, what do you want uh, the sport to be, how big it is. But I just, I do see a lot of powerlifters who said some definite dumb shit in the past and who have done legitimate dumb shit in the past who haven't been canceled yet. So, uh, and I don't think, and the guys who I mentioned, um, especially uh, the Evan, I don't think he's said anything that's like outlandish um, to a point where you're going to quote unquote cancel the dude. Right, but right, yeah. I'm saying more along the lines of maybe, you know, you might've, you, you definitely can burn bridges and there's certain yeah. bridges that you want to have in the sport that will, that will help you in the long run. Like, cause a lot of the sport, is based off of communications that you have with other lifters. Um, because, you know, I, I, I referenced the beginning of the show, uh, you know, me and, me and Oriega talk, and I've just through conversations, I've learned things from, from him. You know, interviewing him, I learned things from him. I had Russ on the show, I learned from him. Jamar is another good, I talked to Jamar quite a bit. I learned things from him, not only through powerlifting, but kind of a business standpoint too, where we're kind of always – um, sharing opinion, uh, ideas that we have for the future and what we, what we can do for the sport. Those are important relationships to have. Um, if you ruin those, that could possibly be a detriment to you progressing as a competitor. And if you want to be that social media lifter, that too, that could, that could possibly hurt it there. Yeah. And we are such a tight community. There's all there's six, six degrees of separation everywhere. Like even from federation to federation. And if, if you start burning bridges to the point where like you're 100% right, we're not big enough for cancel culture because people on the mainstream don't give a shit enough about what we say. We're just not that important. Right. Um, Whereas within the community though, if you're just constantly burning bridges going off, like we push you, we're the only ones that push each other forward. We, We don't have mainstream. We only have each other. So if you're like burning bridges to the point where people don't want to take pictures with you because you know, people don't want to stand beside you literally and figuratively. I can't be beside you because it's heat. I can't, you know, I say me, but like everybody feels this way. Then it becomes like you're hurting yourself. It's, it's going the opposite direction. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I've, I've been, I think I'm a pretty friendly guy in the sport of powerlifting where I converse, but I have burned some bridges like, and I'm, I'm, I don't regret what I've done, but, um, yeah, I, I don't see me getting uh, either involved in the U.S. Open, the current U.S. Open, ever, because I've said some pretty mean shit about Gracie B. And I made a few memes. Um, okay, you know what? I'm going to take it back. I didn't say anything mean about Gracie B. I made a pretty awesome meme about her, and that got me blocked. And if I ever have a role or as a competitor or as a just a person, if I want to bring two white lights to the current, not happening. I burned that bridge. Yeah. And uh, Gracie V is very quick to burn a bridge herself and like cut ties with anyone who said anything negative about her. Um, but yeah, like it, it's happened with me and I'm like, I, I consider myself a pretty friendly dude as far as powerlifting goes. I'm opinionated, but I'm also quite respectful for anyone. And I have a great respect for the sport of powerlifting and for all the competitors doing it. Like I haven't really got on the bad side of too many, but it happens. And I, I feel like I'm pretty tame myself. How do you feel about when it's the opposite? If someone's coming at you, here's the thing. So because you do, you, you have a podcast, you have a following. Um, and let's say you, you, you give opinions on things like even, you know, MMA fighters and boxers, and I'm super into those sports. I read a lot of autobiographies. Like, like I read a book a week type deal. It's kind of what I try to do anyways. And um, you realize like they are very sensitive, emotional people. It's an individual sport. So yeah. it's all on them. 
Powerlifters are often the same. And um, usually if I pick against someone when they're making picks, it doesn't sound a big deal. Or if they are, they'll bust my chops, but it's more yeah. playful, whatever. But I try not to be, I'm certainly not trying to be offensive, but I have to, we don't have mainstream giving picks. These are things yeah. that people do, whatever. And I'm just, that's easy, low hanging fruit, but we can have a conversation like we are right now about anything. You bring some people up and they might get upset with you or, or they might even talk shit about you for things you might've said. Have you felt when people get upset with you, have you ever done a thing where you reach out and try to talk or has anyone, if people do talk shit about you, what's your threshold of being like, it's okay. You can say what you want. It's all good. I accept that. And I'm not going to hold, I'm not, it doesn't burn a bridge with me. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, if it's any personal attack, you probably burned a bridge with me or just like, you know, if I see you, you're going to have to be able to say that stuff to my face. Like we're going to have to have a confrontation if it's a personal attack. Um, right. So far, I mean, shit, powerlifting motivation doesn't like me because I think your page sucks, but like I burned a bridge there and that was kind of a, a thing that they, they put me on blast. They, they, they bought up old DMs that I sent them because I want them to post my memes on their page. I'm like, and I asked very politely, I'm like, are you guys going to put me on blast for me sending you a message? What did they put you on? What, what do you mean? What did they? Oh, they because just... I, I've said their page has gone in the shits recently and it has. It's like, it's a weird, it's, it used to be a really cool page where they put, put memes, videos, and now it's like, you know, sex jokes, weird, half-naked women, um, a very strange video of Larry Wheels doing something very strange to his girlfriend. It's, and I, and I think on subpar powerlifting meme, the GOAT meme page in powerlifting. Um, I think I made a joke about powerlifting motivation, how they use one of my memes to promote their shirts. I'm like, all right. I'm like, you guys going to promote, you're going to use a meme and then promote your shirts doing. I'm like, give me a fucking shirt at least. Jesus Christ. If you're going to use a free advertisement, but they saw that. They saw the comments I made about, they put me on blast. Like, look at this guy saying uh, the, all this uh, trash about powerlifting motivation. Look who was in our DMs trying to get posts on your page. I'm like, yeah, that's what I did when your page was good. Like that's, and I was very polite in doing that. You see how I'm polite when you do the right things and I criticize when you do, I think the wrong things. We've taken note of that, but uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange thing where they put me on blast, but at the same time, they really burn a bridge with me. Not really. They just put me on blast on the, uh, on their stories. I'll talk shit about them back and it's, it's, it's fine. Um, it, I, and so far no one has been super critical of me in, in all honesty, I could talk all, all day about trolls, but 99% of it has been super positive where I have had great relations with pretty much all my competitors. I may have rubbed a few the wrong way. Um, this actually really, if we're mentioning it, uh, Gracie B is probably number one, but I don't even think she knows I exist. Because when she sent that really horrible uh, meme or that email out, I think she blocked like half powerlifting already. So she blocked a ton of people. And I made a Billy Madison meme. I thought my meme was awesome and very kind too. Like it was, it was a fun, I, th I thought one of my better uh, memes. But <laughs> another person you've had on the show, and I admire greatly as a lifter, um, Amanda Lawrence. Um, she didn't take too kindly of a meme about a un unbalanced platform at Raw Nationals. And I did, in fact, you know, try to like, hey, it was... I put myself as the butt of the joke. I put my own embarrassing picture up there about the unbalanced platform. Um, it got back to her. Uh, my friend Aubrey, shout out to Aubrey, uh, mentioned her in the comments about it and, you know, sent me a DM. I, might have, I, might have I don't know the story. Uh, and some listeners might know the story. What, what do you mean un unbalanced back? Like what was that? What's the story there? Yeah. 
uh, so there was um, Amanda was uh, making reference to the platforms are unbalanced at Raw Nationals, and I disagreed. I don't think the think the platforms were fine. Um, I thought everyone at Raw Nationals did a really good job of constructing a awesome meet for us, a fair ground for competitors to compete. And I think when you say stuff like that, especially when you're as good as Amanda Lawrence is, it's, you know, you kind of put the spotlight on the, the spotters and loaders and the people putting the meet together. And it's like, you never hear about the good shit they do, right? You always hear about the negative stuff. And I thought that was not exactly called for at the time. But the meme I posted, which got, you know, it was, it was a funny meme. It was the embarrassing picture of me dropping my deadlift. So I put myself at the forefront of the uh, meme to take away heat. Um, it was about the unbalanced platform and got to her. Um, I would say it was my fault how I responded to the DM. Uh, she sent me just a picture of the platform. And it was, uh, I don't think it was the right platform that they were even using. Because I, I honestly didn't know what I was looking at. So all I saw was a piss stain on the platform and Sean Noriega's beautiful hair in the background. And that's what I commented back to her. I'm like, Ex please explain to me what I'm supposed to be looking at. Because um, all I see is a piss stain and Sean's beautiful hair. And she sent a message and I couldn't read the message before she unsent it and then blocked me. I'm like, all right, well, I guess a bridge was burned there. But at the same time, I would have been like, hey, you know, I put myself at the heat of the joke. I'm, you know, I, I kind of poke fun at the sport of powerlifting. I had the podcast for that reason. It's a lot of satire involved in the podcast, which, yeah, that. That earned me a block, but, you know, do I, do I not respect Amanda Lawrence? Fuck no. Amanda Lawrence is awesome. She's a great competitor. Are we ever going to be best friends? Probably not if she takes offense to that joke. You know what I'm saying? But if we would have had, had a conversation, I'm sure I would have came off respectful enough where I'd been like, all right, well, I'll let this one roll. I'll let this one slide. And, um, Nothing, nothing would become of it, and nothing really has either. It's just a, a block on Instagram, which is mm -hmm. really nothing in the real world. Yeah. Now, I know you mean where – I mean, it's tough because sometimes you want to be – and you won't have an opportunity in a text to say it, and sometimes it's got – your first text is the last text, uh, like in that situation. So you might want to say, like, hey, look, it, I was just, I'm just joking around like I bust chops. You should see what I, I say to some of my friends. It's not actually – like, I don't respect you. I don't like you as a person yeah. or where I think you're making excuses because you don't need to make excuses because you're a fucking Amanda Lawrence. So it's not that. But before you, you can't really explain it yet. So you don't have the opportunity to like, ah, shit. All right. Well, shit, y'all, I'll eat that. I guess, I guess, I guess that's what it is. It is what it is. I guess I'll have to eat that. But yeah. um, you would yeah, hope. And also, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead, go I ahead. always ask, I actually really don't post because I do post memes. That's uh, another another way I get clout. Pretty friendly way of going about you know getting people onto your page to entertain people. And I usually always pick really stupid pictures of myself, just so I don't put any power lifter on blast. And I always ask for permission to use another lifter's image for a meme. And I did it with Jamar, but I was complimenting Jamar because he's he's always looks amazing on the platform. Like he is always dressed amazing. He's got the headbands to match. He looks great. And I look like an ass on the platform always. Like I always, there's always an embarrassing picture of me. So I'm like, Hey, Jamar, I'm going to use your image for a meme. Do you mind if I do that? And he's, you know, what's, what's the meme? I'm like, Oh, you're, you're good. I'll show you the meme when I have in mind. He's like, Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Post it. 
And I think it was the only time I really, and I would always ask for permission for other powerlifters to use their image. And that's why for that Amanda Lawrence thing, I use myself. Right. Because I'm, like, yeah. I'm going to make myself look like an ass. Because, I mean, I, after Raw Nationals, um, memes, memes galore of me missing a deadlift. I mean, memes <laughs> and you galore led the of charge me. And, I, and, I, and you were fine with it. You led the charge. Like, no, hey, it, was, it, was fun. it was funny. It was, I can't not acknowledge how hilarious I looked. It looked very funny. I can't acknowledge it. Heather Connor loves that picture of me. She thinks yeah. she always brings it up in like a reference of like, it's like the funniest thing ever. You just look so ridiculous missing the deadlift. And I'm cool with it, but I will always put myself as the butt of the joke. Um, right. So that's why like, like that's why I use myself as opposed to, because I, it's, I think it could be a low blow using someone else's image without their consent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let me, I, I got to rock a piss real quick. I'll be back one second. Okay. You got it. I'll light up another cigar. Okay, what's that? There we go. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you're 100% right. Because you're, you're a personality, so you can, you're going to do memes and, and be funny because it's, it's kind of, the King of Lifts is a little bit different in terms of, um, like, you're, you're a podcast and you're a lifter and you're an athlete, so you're supposed to show personality, be funny, etc. And then on the, on, the, on the flip side, as the King of Lifts, I try to make it so, like on the podcast, you got to show personality, whatever, do do your thing. But yeah. with the King of this page, I, I, if I do memes or anything like that, that kind of thing can happen where people be, hey, man. So I've kind of trying to toe the line where it's like, I am just going to indiscriminately post people, whether or not, like some of these people, for whatever reason, don't like me or say shit. And I'm like, I just got to pretend that I don't see anything, hear anything. And I just keep doing it as though it's your lift and your lift is your lift and it doesn't matter. And then, um, and then I won't try to be like overly one way or the other with, with showing that just so that people don't try to do bias. Now on the podcast, we got to talk and we're going to be funny and we're going to do pics or whatever. But um, I know you mean it's, it's kind of when the memes roll out and I've been memed before too. Like, uh, like actually it was, it was a power power thing. Like uh, it was funny. And fuck it. And then and I was like, I, yeah, and I, and I do poke fun of that too occasionally. Like I do, if I'm a part of the sport, I poke fun of the sport, you know, right. and that's, that's, that's what happens. And um, so my man was like, yeah, man, I was actually, I was going to ask you if this is cool if I posted this before, because yeah. he posted it first and tagged me. And then um, I was like, ah, whatever, man, it is what it is. It's not a big deal. Um, in terms of, I, I did want to ask you about the Arnold Classic, because you were saying, like, getting a little back to your powerlifting here, because you were saying how, like, when you went with Joe Stanek, um, the improvements you had. I mean, numbers don't lie. You went up almost 40 kilo since Nationals Arnold Classic pulled 340.5, and it's the biggest pull we've ever seen an 83 kilo lifter do. It, it is actually, like, you're, you're, you're pretty flipping humble in terms of where you rate yourself, because you have the single greatest feat of strength we've seen an 83 kilo ever do. That's the biggest lift period in 83 kilo history. And that's you. And if I was to plug you into a machine and plug any other person into a machine in history of your weight class, and I would say, I wanna see how much power your body can generate, your body will generate more force than any other 83 in history. You realize that? Yeah, I do. And uh, you know so, what? But yeah, you're humble about it. You're humble as shit. I feel like if I was in your shoes, I'd be like, fuck you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and here's, and I, and I get that a lot. And I, 
I, I don't consider myself really to be humble. I consider myself to be realistic. And we had a goal. Me and Joe had a goal. And it was to pull the American record and um, the total over 1,700. And we did both those things. And I did that. It was my best day, easily my powerlifting career. Nine for nine. You know, I left a few. I think I left a few kilos in the tank on my uh, squat and deadlift. But here's here's what keeps me humble. Delaney Wallace beat me by 15 keys. I was second place that day in '83. I was fifth best overall lifter. I was happy at that moment because we hit our goal. But now the goal is not that. It's different. Like. People are like, oh, how psyched are you to squat at 600? I'm like, that's not my goal. The goal is to squat over 600 in my next meets, is to propel myself into the rankings further. Like, it's easy to stay humble when you know that there's other people better than you. Now, I understand that I have the best 83 kg lift, uh, deadlift of all time. Awesome. That's, I feel I am proud about that. You know, I, I hung up the American record uh, with, a, with a pin right right above my uh, APF trophies uh, in, my, in my little basement. But, I, and, I am, and I am, again, proud about that. But I didn't get into the sport to be just good at deadlifting. I got into the sport to be the best in the world at my weight class. And I know I'm a way I'm, – I'm too far off of doing that. Um, I, and that's, that, that is my goal, is to be the best 83 kg lifter in the world, not just on deadlift, but on total. Um, that is my grand goal, and me and Joe are going to come with another uh, benchmark, another goal for Raw Nationals. If I achieve that goal, fantastic, but I will be happy for that night. I'll have a drink. I'll have, you know, a possibly bigger cigar, more expensive cigar than the, you know, shit I'm smoking right now. <laughs> but, um, but after that, if I'm not beating Russ, if I'm not beating Sean, if I'm not beating Delaney, if I'm not beating Jamar, um, I'm not beating Deuce, you know, there's, there's still a goal there for me to accomplish. Um, maybe I'll be a little bit more arrogant if I, uh, if I am the best in the world at 83 kg, but right now I'm a long way off of doing that. And that's, and, and that's, that's, that's always the scheme, right? Like it's awesome being a great deadlifter, but I, I didn't, I, when I think about the sport, I don't think about being the best at one lift. Yeah. It's being the best overall lifter. Then that's, and even if I am the best 83 kg lifter in the world, I will probably not be satisfied with that. I'd probably be like, all right, well, this guy's better than me. I could, I could safely assume in five years, Austin Perkins is going to constantly dominate the entire best overall lifter in USAPL for like five or six years. So he's, I mean, he's the guy too. And then there's other guys in, you know, behind me who I know who can on a good day could beat me on total. Uh, you know, Carson Allen, a good friend of mine, that guy, he's an Illinois lifter. When I have a good meet, he always seems to either top me or do a little bit better than me the next meet he does. So I know I have him um, to, you know, kind of compete with as well. Uh, there's, you know, Jimmy Villanueva. He looks awesome. Just got coaching from Joe Sanic. He looks fantastic as well. Uh, there's, I out total Jamar at the Arnold, but I know that guy can out total me if you know he has his good day. I mean, he's a fucking beast. So there's there's plenty to be humble about. Yeah, and it's not a bad quality. It's it is a bit of a gift and a curse, right? When it comes to um, being content, like like for instance, you, you I read tons of autobiographies and watch documentaries. Like that Last Dance documentary was fucking fire yeah. with Michael Jordan. And you talk to like if you read interviews about Michael Jordan, he says like it can be a gift and a curse where 
you are never, it's never enough. And here's what the thing about life, if you're going to be happy or successful, it sometimes isn't the same thing sometimes, like where to be happy, it's enough to feel enough. This is, this is, it's enjoying, you know, they tell you the secret of life to be happy is to enjoy what you have and stop fucking looking ahead and being, you know, wanting more and more and more and more. So you just to enjoy what you've gotten, this is enough. But yeah. then do you want to be successful? It's never enough. And yeah. Jordan would be like, I, he, he would wake up five in the morning, go to sleep. He would do, when he's filming Space Jam, my man had 12 hour days, 16 hour days, fucking bring people in and then start smashing a training, being like, nah, because I'm an athlete as well, not just an actor. So he would have crazy days. And then with yourself, I remember on Instagram, one time I reached out, you probably remember, I seen you were on your Instagram story, you were training, and let's just say it was uh, my time, 7 p.m. on a Friday, and you're a young man in your 20s, and then my time, 11, you just posted on Instagram, you're doing, you're, you're just wrapping up some assistance work, and I'm yeah. like, on a Friday, I'm like, man, you, whole, I had I, I shot you a message, like, dog, are you, you still out there grinding? It's Friday, and you're like, and you said exactly what you just said here. You're like, uh, yeah, it's Friday, but I'm not celebrating because I haven't achieved my goal yet. I got work to do. I want to be the best and I'm not the best. And the best don't rest until you get there. And it's like, like you said, hey, maybe if I am the best 83, I'm going to look down at the 74 and be like, yeah, but I'm not the best lifter regardless of weight class. Yeah. And then maybe you get best lifter regardless of weight class. Like, yeah, but Atwood did it two years. And then it's always something. There'll always be something, right? Yeah, that's what that's what's awesome about this sport. It's just, uh, I mean, every, every sport in general. There's there's never anyone who, I mean, Michael Jordan, and yeah, Last Dance documentary. I'm a massive Bulls fan. I'm from Chicago, so oh, I'm, well, there you go. Well, yeah. I love I love the Bulls and Michael Jordan. But um, with he, Michael Jordan was quite possibly the best person at any one job ever. Very possible. He was perfect in every sense of the word. He was individually great, and he was successful on a team. He was perfect in the finals. He was six and zero. And that, that this, it, it's uh, there, but he was perfect in the finals because he knew it could end any second. And people would have been like, he just didn't want that the, anyone to get a step over. I'm not going to say that that's like my mindset because when you bring up my, you know, me at Friday night training, dude, I, I like to train. Like it's not necessarily a chore for me to train. Uh, it's something that I really like doing. Um, I, I, I will still go and enjoy myself but, and celebrate. But, dude, like at, me at the gym at 11 o'clock at night, at, some people play video games at 11 o'clock at night. Some people go out and drink. I, I really – I do enjoy training more than all that. So, um, so it's not necessarily like it's a, it's a task. It's a hobby for it, – it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun mm -hmm. for me to do that. It, it is, it is kind of my, my idea of uh, celebrating. But, yeah, it's, it, you're, you can never be content ever in a sport that you play. Because you always either, even if you're at the top, Russ has been at the top for, what, three years now? Yeah. And that's because he, like, he works his ass off. He is the, if you're going to say Russ doesn't work hard, you're, you're, you're lying to yourself. He works his ass off because he knows what's out there. He knows Noriega's in, Noriega's in range. He can, in fact, you know, a good meet, he can beat Russ. Um, Russ, uh, Russ was one spot away from, you know, uh, not having a national championship and yeah. giving, pretty much giving up to Russ. He was close. Um, and he knows that too. So you see Russ now, he's working his ass off. 
And you see Noriega, he's training his ass off too. And I'm like, okay, I'm not even close to those guys. Noriega is like, what, a high fours on his bench now? If he gets that 500 bench at Nationals, like, holy shit, this guy can really do it. And he's, I think he, I think he can now consistently deadlift over 700 pounds. If he gets that, then that means I have to get better. I know Delaney Wallace is watching those videos. He's going to have to get better because uh, he's a fucking competitor himself. Jamar is another one of those guys who, you know, I, I, I'm sure he'd be the first to admit he was disappointed with his Arnold showing, and there's no better motivator than a disappointment. So he's right. going to be better to come nationals. He's going to push his squad into the 700s. It's just I, – I don't think there's one person in this sport who is truly content with where they're at. They always want to do a little bit more. I mean, I, I could bring uh, Heather Connor as an example too. She's constantly winning her weight class. At, at nationals, it's really not you know much of a competition. But I, deep down, she wants the highest IPF points. She wants the highest bulks of all time in IPF and USAPL too. And that's what she strives for. She wants to constantly break her own record. She's not even content with what she does. Ray Williams is another guy. He's getting a lot of criticism for he's getting criticism for not squatting a thousand pounds that's a that's a great position to be in like you're getting criticized for not being able to squat uh uh, four digits raw and that's that's eating at him too he's gonna come into a meet fucking you know guns a blazing next time it's just there's no one in this sport who's successful who's content with where they're at do you feel like can you picture yourself ever becoming content where and if you did do you think that's where I'm going to check out. Like how long, you know how you could stay hungry and be grinding. And I say grinding because you enjoy it. Um, so it's not necessarily grinding in the same sense of other people, but do you see yourself at some point, when do you think you're like, man, I got to check this out. Or do you think that the pressure of it might eventually, like George St. Pierre retired. Cause he's like being in, in Russell's position where year after fucking year. And it's just after a while, and Taylor actually touched up on this. I had him on the podcast not too long ago. And Jordan actually said uh, on, in that documentary, he's like, I knew I wanted to step away because it became a point where when I first started winning, the first win, the second win, I was so excited to win. And then after a while, I started winning. And it wasn't excitement to win. It was relief not to lose because it just became expected that you win. Yeah. And then somewhere along the lines, it changed the mentality. And he's like, fuck, I need a break. Yeah. You see that kind of thing going? Well, I would love I would love to be in that position where I get tired yeah. of losing. I would like to just win uh, first before I could uh, get tired of losing. But um, <laughs> tired. I mean, of the first, I mean, the only time I was content. I mean, seriously, I, I say this a lot to my friends. The only time I was satisfied after a meet was my very first meet, and then my first nationals meet at APF because I didn't know what world existed. I was <laughs> just like, man, I accomplished something. I'm I feel good. And then when I was in England at AWPC Worlds, I did nine for nine, great meet. I was you know had my drink. Uh, went out with, um, with a lot of my friends uh, through Manchester, had my little celebration. Then I was actually looking at my lifts and I was critiquing my lifts. Like, was that depth? Was, was that fully depth? I'm like, that, that, that pause was a little fat. They were a little fast on command. I know if I go to USAPL, that won't fly. And then with the deadlift, I think they were, I think they were pretty quick with the down command too on my deadlift. And my, uh, my, my good friend Bane was like, dude, shut the fuck up. You just, you just beat us. Like you just beat all of them. Yeah. And like, I no longer, and even after the Arnold, I went out, uh, had my drinks, went out with my girlfriend. It was a fucking great night. And then as soon as I drove home to Illinois from Columbus, I was thinking like, man, I was still out told by 15 keys, you know, like, so that I, I don't think again, like the, the content thing, I don't think is ever going to, um, 
I, I haven't reached that point where I'm like tired of losing, but to, to your main point, man, I just love this sport so much that I'm just going to go until I can't go no more. And I don't know if I'm ever going to be in a position where it's just going to be a relief not to lose as opposed to win. You know, I just, if it, if it comes, I might be that guy, like, you know, um, um, uh, a mixed martial arts reference, Anderson Silva, who just fights into his later career and not fighting, you know, the main card or not fighting the main event anymore, fighting, you yeah. know, other guys who just, just to put on a good show. I might be that guy. I might be like a baseball reference. Baseball is my favorite sport. You know, a guy like Jake Peavy, who was awesome when he was in his 20s, but then in his late 40s, he's still fucking, he's trying everything he can to hit 90 on his fastball. He's trying everything he can to just be a part of the team. And he's now like almost like to a point of a minor league baseball player, but he's just like, he's still out there trying to do it. Yeah, he, he, loves it so much. he loves yeah, baseball. I yeah. love powerlifting so much where I could imagine myself being 40 years old, maybe being able to only train two or three times a week because my body's falling apart and just getting out there and trying to train because I like training so much. Uh, it's so much of the sport is done, not on the platform, but in the gym. I want to continuously do that in the gym. It's just, uh, it's, it, it is about winning and losing for me, but at the same time, there is a overarching thing of how much I love doing what I'm doing. And I love doing what I'm doing. I love lifting. I love, I really have a passion for the sport, you know, with the, the whole podcast thing, me come on your podcast and discussing the sport. This is my, this is the conversations that I have. The friends that I have now are powerlifters because we discuss powerlifting. We talk, you know, when we, right after we're done training, when we have a beer or something, we're talking about the sport still. We're talking about it. Like, and, and Michael Jordan never really got rid of basketball either, right? He's still, is the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. He still got into the Wizards thing. He never really gave the sport up because he loves it. He does love the sport of basketball. And I think so many other guys, the GSP is a little bit of a different example because he has to get punched in the face for a living. So I can understand why he might not want to uh, constantly, like, oh, shit, I got to go and um, some guy's going to try to assault me for uh, 30 minutes. That's going to be a nightmare. Um, so I can understand why boxers. But then you see so many boxers not be able to do it. Like, my favorite fighter as a kid was Roy Jones Jr. Oh, yeah. That dude oh, yeah. is not, it won't stop boxing. I know it's a lot of yeah. financial things, but at the same time, like, dude, please step away. We don't like to see you get hit in the face anymore. We don't like to see it. Um, Evander Holyfield, we had a conversation about, I love right. that Evander Holyfield. Going up. He's the, one of my, I think, one of the greatest true boxers of all time in the sense he can box. And then he can go out and get his ass kicked for 12 rounds and still try to go for a knockout in the 12th round. Right. He wouldn't give up boxing until later in his life. Like that's, he, he still loves that sport. He still loves what he's doing. So you can say that people are content with, or they just get so, you know, overwhelmed by the feeling of losing, but they never really give up the sport. They, it's yeah. always with them. I think you're one of them, and I think we're blessed that the sport we're in, like powerlifting or just weightlifting, let's just say like just lifting weights, period. You see guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger still, you know, you dudes can lift. You can lift as, as long as you want. And, and you're right in that that one single day on the platform doesn't vindicate or give any more credibility to the, the months leading in where you enjoy waking up and just fucking getting after it. 
the human body wants to be tired. It wants to get the dopamine levels up and, and get, you know, just shift some weights around and get the angst out. And there's something about it, just putting in some work for a couple hours on a, on a Friday evening. And then you feel calm, cool and collected. And, and then you tell yourself, oh, fuck, tomorrow. I'm going to smash that shit again. I'll see you tomorrow, fellas. You tell them the weights as you leave. There's something about it that's like, I don't need a big performance at the end. You can be 55 years old and, um, and be like, I'm good, man. It's fine. I'm not, it's over. I'm not going to hit PRs right now, but I'm also not just ready to sit on the couch and wait until I die. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah exactly. And I see a lot of people do that, man. I, you know, the gym I go to, uh, Surgeny Levels, fucking awesome gym. I want to still go there when I'm 55. You know what I mean? I want to be involved in the sport somehow. People can say whatever they want about, you know, not giving it up or whatever. It's like, but if I like doing something, I'm going to stay with it. If it's not me hitting a PR, maybe it's me uh, just coaching, me going to a gym, me um, owning a gym or something. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be some cool stuff just to stay involved in the sport because it's, you can't, you know, like you, your body has this way of recognizing uh, positive feelings. You know what I mean? So I'll give you an example. Um, so I used to work manual labor, uh, when I was in college, pretty much through a little bit after college too. And waking up at four o'clock in the morning and then making the walk up to the doors where I had to go and work. I had the feeling, I'm like, fuck, I got to do this again. I hate this. I hate, that's why, I mean, that's why I don't work manual labor. I try not to work manual labor. I try to do something else. Like, oh, everything, like you got that in your the feeling in your stomach like shit today it's gonna be a 12 hour day it's gonna be a hard day fuck this sucks when i make the the trip up to surge and we have a long driveway and i have to walk i have immediately just this good feeling in my it just i i'm just in a good mood when i hear the weights in there when i hear the music going on in there making that long trip even out of the gym i'm like all right this is my safe haven. this is a place where i love to be um, I get the same way walking uh, Wrigley Field, you know, on Waveland Avenue, and I hear the organ playing. Like, God, oh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in a good place right now. I love this feeling. There's never not going to be a time where I don't like it. My girlfriend calls me to go out at night. I'm going to love doing that. I like that call. That's a positive thing for me. Um, and that's your, your body reacts to that. And I know what's, what I like and what I don't. And powerlifting right now, just that little walk to surge on that long driveway, I like that. That's, you know, a endorphins are released in my body. Dopamine is released in my body because I know that I'm at a point in my life where I enjoy doing something consistently. And, and that doesn't, I think that affects, that's like relatable on a lot of different levels. Doesn't even, for other people listening, man, everybody's got something. Everybody's got those things. Yeah. Like it brings yeah. back. I always, I always go to the example like fishing. Like people love fishing, man. I don't like, I don't, I'm, I'm not a fisher. I don't, I don't, I'm not a fisherman. I don't. When I'm on, I'm like, okay, this is okay, I guess. It's decent. But people do that until they're dead. My thing, people like to work on cars. People like to fucking golf. They love doing that shit. I, I don't have that same way, that same feeling, but I understand that feeling because of right. how much I like competing. I'm the same way, man. I fucking wish I was more into cars. I can't convince myself to give a shit, to even watch a YouTube video on how to do something. And people are like, it's easy. No, I got you. I got you. It's easy. No, you can, you can learn. I can show you. I got you. I know, I know I can learn. I can show you. I can show you how to deadlift. You're not going to fucking do it either though. In the same way you don't want to come to the gym with me and even though it'd be easy is the same way. I don't, you're not going to convince me to learn how to golf. And I just, I just can't do it. I can't force yeah. myself to do it. 
Yeah, you can't you, – you're not going to be – you can always convince me to go to the gym. You can always convince me to go to Wrigley Field. You can convince me to do all these things that I like. Um, you, you like, if you had to say, like, yeah, I have to power wash this patio. I don't want to fucking power wash, power wash the patio. You have to convince me to do it. Someone's got to force me to do it. Like, yo, the patio's dirty. It's dirty as hell. You put it off long enough. Yeah. You got to power wash the patio. You just got to do certain things. To me, going to the gym is not something I have to do. Something who's I get. The, who's the asshole that that's his thing is fucking power washing patios? Who's that asshole? He's out there. He's out there. Yeah. Oh, dude, all, all <laughs> my Italian a, relatives. Patio. All my all my Italian relatives. That's like their thing. It's like they got a power wash. My aunt. My aunt is the greatest power washer of all time. <laughs> really? She will stay on her patio for five hours power washing it. Jesus and I'm like, Christ. I've tried to power wash a patio in my driveway before. I get bored after two hours. Yeah. I stop. I go inside. And then I'm like, ah, shit, you know what? It's too late. I'm not going to go outside and power wash. The We're done. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch the rest of the Cubs game. Yeah, it is what it is. Did you get a chance to see the powerlifting uh, yesterday in terms of, like, Julius Maddox, the deadlift showdown? Unfortunately, I got to watch the first 15 minutes of it. Um, I was just driving to the gym, so I couldn't really catch it. Um, I was so psyched to see it that it was actually on ESPN, like actual yeah. ESPN, not ESPN3, not ESPN+. Plus. Um, like the WPO, everyone led me to believe the WPO meet was going to be on ESPN TV, but it was not, it was on your laptop. So I'm like, okay, it's, it's like watching, it's like watching a YouTube stream for USAPL. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing. It's the same. Actually, USA, YouTube might be better uh, platform for that, but I digress. It's a different topic. I did see uh, a little bit of it. And I was just so psyched to see one Luke Null, uh, Illinois lifter, trains out of Gonzo, Gonzo uh, Barbell. Had no idea he was there until I saw him go on the screen. I'm like, oh, shit, Luke. I'm like, Luke's on ESPN. And I got so excited. I saw Eddie Cohen in the background. I saw Garrett Fear. Garrett's in every powerlifting situation ever. He's like, where's Waldo in powerlifting? But I got excited. But then, of course, the powerlifting thing happens where they misload his bench. And then, like, oh, great. We got a shit storm we have to deal with in powerlifting. And also, score one point for USAPL elitists. That will never happen in a USAPL meet where someone misloads a world record bench and no one will double check. Dog, here's the, here's the thing. For all the, the people who raise a hand and want to complain about how stiff the USAPL or IPF is in terms of like, oh, they're, they're too tough on judgment in terms of depth. Too, oh, the pauses are too long. It's like, listen to me. You can't have both. It'll never be just right. So here's, here's what you have to accept. Either it's too tough or it's too light. It'll never be just right. Just as soon as we accept, it'll never be just right. So the non-tested divisions are so loose. It's always, you don't want it that loose. If you have to judge between too tough or too loose, go too tough every time, especially if it's going on ESPN, because you're 100% right. The pit crew would have picked up the misload or the platform manager would have raised the hand and said it's misloaded. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I just... Again, in USAPL and IPF, the cool thing to do is hate on USAPL and IPF. That's a cool thing. That's a trendy thing to do is to criticize them. But you don't have to see lifters giving up their records because of faulty judging, because of right. faulty whatever going on, meat conditions, all that stuff. You don't see that. And, I, again, I'm fully, I'm fully involved now in the USAPL elitism. I am now a natty elitist to the fullest. And I have – well, it, it's such a thing where – I'm not always right about these things, but I'm, but I'm right so often that I get used to it because I say these things about USAPL, like 
this would not happen in the USAPL meet. A coach would have won, checked the, the loading thing. The spotters and loaders, I don't care what you say, in the USAPL, especially the uh, UTSA guys who do Raw Nationals, and if you're invited, they're fucking awesome. They're quick, and they're concise, and they're accurate, and there's not a whole lot of missiles, especially with a world record attempt, and the head judge would definitely get that. Like, it, it's they a check it. They check it first. They say bars loaded on purpose. That's their job. The, the head judge also checks bar is loaded. You don't say bar is loaded until you double check. You're auditing their work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I, I don't know exactly what was, you know, I, I wasn't there at the meet. I didn't get to watch it fully, but that kind of stuff just can't pass. That kind of stuff is it's unacceptable, especially, especially if you know the entire meet is centered around Julius Maddox. The main event. 800 pounds. That's why we're tuning in. It was literally on the fucking clip arts for the ESPN broadcasting was Julius Maddox is going to attempt an 800-pound deadlift. Like, this is what the meet is for. You know, I mean, TD Smash is awesome. I love Luke. I love, like, so many of those guys competing that day. But that was the pull of the meet. That's why people were viewing it, to see yeah. insane, crazy bench presses. And you get a clusterfuck. You get a mishaps. And that's what happens. And, uh, again, you know, if this was a USAPL meet, hate to do this, but, you know, who, what, what meme wouldn't be made about how shitty the USAPL is? This is why you should leave the USAPL. It's bullshit. It's, it's, it's unorganized. It's like, no, its structure is perfect. It's good. It, the reason they're so, they're so stingy about things because of these types of things that happens at these backyard meets and these local meets, um, which, which is a shame because it was on ESPN. That's like, right. there's so many things wrong with it. I mean, there's so many things you could – so, so many people you could blame for it, but it's just so, uh, it irritates me. Here's, I've gone off about this on rants, but, um, and like people will say like, ah, you're, you're an IPF shill or whatever, but hmm? look it, just completely stepping aside unbiased. People get upset saying like, look, world records, gravity is gravity, no matter what. So it shouldn't matter if it's a local meet, national yeah. level or world level. Here's true, gravity is gravity, but here's where you can make it um, the reason why world records can only be broken at, at like certain level, like international, whatever, is because they say, and, and it's kind of like, we're kind of touching up on where it's like, you can't have a local meet and have local refs, local bars being loaded, local equipment is a calibrate everything. So how do you get a hold of it and be like, we want a standard, even if it's too tough, even if people say the standards may be a little too tough, make a fucking standard that's so tough. And you have to go through refing categories and all the rest of it to make sure there's not the right guy sitting. I don't care if your name is a big name lifter and you're an ex-lifter. As a matter of fact, if you were just a powerlifting nerd and your lifting sucks, but you know the rule fucking book like a powerlifting nerd sure, sure yeah. would. And you've done the tests. Now you're a category whatever rep. You're sitting in that spot. Now we're, that's why mistakes don't happen. I give a shit not what your big name is. You shouldn't be in that chair if you're going to let that happen. I'm not trying to throw people under the bus, but yeah. things like that are happening. So you set these things in place. And then people will be like, USAPL, IPF, too stingy too strict it's not fun you know yeah. it's fun man like like do a local meet for fun but you don't break world records that's we're not we're, we're getting a little we should get a little more serious here yeah. we got to get a little more serious when it comes to this especially if it's espn yeah i agree with you 100 percent there and i've i've spoken at the great lanes before and you know what it's not to say that you know other meets aren't run great if it's not usapl or right. IPL. 
I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm saying same. that, and you know, because I the the meat directing goes on the USPA Illinois uh, with Sergio Luna is fantastic. The meats are run fairly. They're run smooth. He is anal about things. Same thing with AAPF with Eric Stone. And a little personal thing, like Eric Stone in Illinois, they often say, ah, he's, he's, kind, he's a little too stingy. He's a little too serious. Like, yeah, but his meats are super well organized and well run. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that's why I like Eric Stone. I'm like, you're meeting the meat director, Eric Stone, who cares about the sport. He cares about the integrity of the sport. Um, a few equipped, you know, meats over there could kind of, with high squats, have kind of been um, a topic of discussion. But you're not going to get, you know, misloadings. You're not going to get any of that kind of stuff. And it's just, if you have more people who are passionate about the sport and know the sport running meets, that is positive for the sport. And it just so happens that most USAPL guys and most people who are running USAPL, especially the Arnold and Raw Nationals, are pretty, pretty good with that. Um, they're, they're, they're good with just making sure everything is fair. Everything is cherish because these records should be important it should not be just broken you know all over the place because you just want your boy to break a record um that's that's uh i i see more people serious about the sport of powerlifting in usapl not to say that uspa is a fantastic federation too i'm not going to knock us uspa because they're fantastic with certain things but uh, when you get into those backyard meets and i would say maybe record breakers will kind of get in there too was like it's Weird things pass. It doesn't make us look good. Here's another thing that happened on that telecast, like the deadlift showdown, where in the sport of strongman, the way the deadlift world championships works, um, they just increase the bar the same amount for everybody, and eventually people start falling off. And if, the, if there's two guys on the last weight and they hit it, you have dual world champions. So we're both co-world champions. It's kind of weird. We can have two guys become world champions. Okay, don't necessarily like that. I prefer you have a tie-breaking situation. But fine. So 2019 World Strongman Deadlift Championships, you have two guys. So this telecast, they decide on ESPN, which is amazing, they decided they're going to go head to head and they're going to do 400 kilo for reps, 881 pounds for reps. Beautiful. Let's just, let's settle this. Two world champions. The drama's there, but the background story is there. And it's for reps. So it's not over in a second. Like, like a deadlift can literally last. It's only two dudes. That yeah. shit could be really quick. So if it's for reps, all right, I got you. I'm kind of on board. It's different. One dude was on kilo plates. The other guy is on bumper plates. And, and the weight's further dis- distributed. And so the one guy hit five. The other guy just fails to fit that lockout. Just need us like an inch more. It's Jerry Pritchard. And then I messaged Jerry. He's going to be on the podcast. And I'm like, my man, did you know that the other dude was wearing bumpers and you got calibrated plates and you failed you needed like an inch more I'm like you guys weren't even using the same equipment but you're going head to head i'm like you did you know he was on bumpers because i would take bumpers all day if you're doing that and he's like nah man i i didn't know until after the fact even during he's like i found out after the fact oh we're doing two different equipment like i obviously would take bumpers over calibrated and he's like i guess i so that's it i'm like how does that happen yeah i that's yeah, that's insanity. Um, I think I do like the, that those ideas, though. I have uh, I've always like because um, you know I always make reference to my you know liking of professional wrestling. But I think with those ideas, I think powerlifting could actually uh, could kind of reap the benefits off that kind of stuff too. Like what they do with the animal cage, like and yeah. uh, what they did at a uh, Pinnacle Performance uh, when when the uh, Corona Classic happened, where every all that shit was canceled. 
I think that stuff is that stuff can be sanctioned to a point where you could bring people in and, but you would have to have that, that, that person who knows the sport. Like if I, if I put someone, I would put like Joe Sullivan at the head of it, like, all right, Joe Sullivan, you're going to do this because I know you're going to have two guys do kilo plates because you know how to lift, right. you know, exactly what you're doing. You would invest the money to get kilo sets for both guys because you want to be, have an equal playing field. And especially if it's something like that, where it actually means something. Um, I, I will, and also would like to just see more people who actually power lift and do strongman comp, comp, uh, competitions run those things. You know what I mean? Like, because you'll think about that. You'll know. Yeah. You, you'd automatically know if I told you I was going to do that with you and Yang Su to decide who's the best. And then you looked over and you saw my man has bumpers and you're on calibrated. You'd be like, sir? Yeah. And, yeah, and <laughs> Yang, Yang, to me? I mean, I mean, actually, Yang Su would probably be like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Like, I'm you, not, yeah. I, I want this to be a fair competition. I'm not going to do bumper and straps. So Yang Su would be the first one to be like, no, 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 no. We talked about our deadlift. Uh, our, our uh, backyard beers and deadlift uh, meet that we're going to do. Um, is that going to happen? They, I thought probably, it was a joke. Uh, yeah, it's probably a joke, but That'd you know, we spoke into existence. That's all you need to speak into <laughs> existence that could happen. Yeah. It's the idea is there. So that's step one. Um, okay. But yeah, fair, like fair. if we do that, Yanks would be like, no, I'm not doing bumpers and he's not going to do bumpers. We're both either going to do bumpers or we're both either doing kilos or regular standard pound plates. Like it's, and it, it takes a, a competitor to kind of realize that. And that's why those, I, I, and I think, you know, powerlifting does a good job of having former competitors do or run those types of meets where, uh, but the, the, the notion should be like more competitors should have say of what's happening. Um, that's my criticism sometimes at IPF and uh, USAPL. It's like, have you guys decided to ask us like what we think should change in the sport? Because if you ask us what would change in the sport, I think a lot of your decision-making will be altered. Um, like the, the no shirt on deadlift. Did you guys ask any powerlifters how they feel about no shirts on deadlift? If we should wear a shirt or we shouldn't wear a shirt, does it really mm -hmm. matter? I think most powerlifters say like, dude, just why is that a rule? Who cares? Like, is it a hygiene thing? What is? I, I, I don't, don't know. know. I, me and Action talked about it. Um, I, I brought up with like Noriega a few times. I'm like, I don't know, um, possibly for female, comp I'm talking out of my ass right now, but possibly for female competitors because they never could take off their shirt um, to compete. Um, it might I be skin touching too, because I know with the bar, they but, want. With, uh, but on deadlifts though, it's only on deadlifts. Well, because obviously you're not oh, going to. Oh, for deadlifts? Yeah, 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 you're not going to take off your shirt on squat and bench for just, yeah. that would be more hygiene and sanitation. It's and always. It was always but, dope. Those pictures when you were shirtless were the fucking, you never looked more muscular than when yeah. you're rocking a singlet and you're pulling with that third dead. Those are the best pictures, man. That exactly. was, oh, that was gold. Yeah, Come that's on, a, man. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's what, uh, cause I'm like, cause Ashton was like, yeah, I don't agree with that rule. I'm like, well, of course you don't agree with the rule because yeah. you were fucking amazing. That yeah. like, you're not. Ashton, if I was Ashton, I wouldn't own a shirt. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why. Why do you even have sleeves on your shirts, man? Like I don't. Right. And um, the dude, yeah, I, I call him Optimus Prime. And if yeah. Optimus Prime wants a deadlift without a shirt on, let the fucking guy deadlift without a shirt on. It's only going to bring more viewers to the sport. But yeah, certain things where they don't consult powerlifters. If you ask all powerlifters, they'll be like, "Dude, that's it's cool. It, there's no competitive advantage. It's just cool to not have a shirt on when you deadlift." I don't know. 
It, well, and, and look at here's one thing that it will give um, some of these other feds or even what we saw on that program and what you were saying is the creativity in terms of look at just for fun. We got two world champions. We got co-world champions. It wasn't decided. They're going to decide it. They're going to go toe to toe and they're going to they're going to both go for AMRAP 400 kilo. That's fun. That's cool. It's what it, it is what it is. One thing I will give some of these feds and some of the smaller because they don't deal with the restrictions. If somebody comes up with an idea like that, they're fucking it'll get passed and you can rock and roll and, and and some of it i would like to see maybe a little bit more of that like you would say and i think you and yang su if you do the if you do it if you could do it like you know make it on a stream and i think that'd be fucking if you do something like maybe one lift max lift you could do that at nationals and you have a fleet of people but if you did something where it's like i don't know 300 kilo for reps or something yeah I don't know. That dude, that'd be dope. I would love to see that. Yeah, and Ken, and Candino has great ideas of it. And to me, it's like the slam dunk competition or the home run derby in baseball. Yeah. Like, is you know the home run derby winner the best home run hitter in baseball? No, not really. Like, but they put on a good show that day, right. and people were watching. Like, dude, that ball just went 500 feet. That was fucking cool. Or you know, uh, most most you know slam dunk uh, win, uh, competition winners aren't the best uh, basketball players in the league, but. People tune in because it's it's a it's a fun thing to see. I and I would always I always make a comparison like look at how many people get riled up watching the animal cage in powerlifting. And that's and a good that's, I, that's a great idea for powerlifting. Like when I'm watching meat, more energy, more hype is at those animal cages ten times out of ten because it's only for fun and for a spectacle. And mm -hmm. I'm a big spectacle guy. I like Same. entertainment. I like uh, I, I like those things where lifters are just showing yourself like Garrett Beer and Hack just deadlifting until one couldn't deadlift anymore just to see what numbers they could put up was cool that was one of my favorite parts of the Arnold um just watching those two guys do it um so yeah I would I would like to see more of that but also to the point of like uh just you know people not really understanding the lifters I think right now obviously heads of you know federations are going to be kind of the older generation and I think it's going to take just a generational change in order for that kind of stuff to happen. You know what I mean? Like they're making rules for a, a competitor weight class of like the ages of 20 through 35. And they're like in, you know, just in a different generation where they're not quite, they just, I don't want to say out of touch because that you get to use too often, but they just don't, they don't have the pulse exactly of what, a 23-year-old might want in a powerlifting competition. Which is fair. And it's also on, on like, to their point. So if it's like at a world level, these, these older people in those positions might be like, um, like the animal cage would be good in terms of what it is, unofficial lifts, exhibition lifts. Yeah. Meet directors could come together and do something like the animal cage, which I think like you could, when Steffi Cohen goes in there, it's like, I'm going to do a set of five on squats and it's fun watching them grind out not a record, not competing against someone, but it makes it fun, whatever. I think that's beautiful. And then on the flip side, so I think on a certain level, we could do that. And on like the international level, when they're facing governing bodies and they're facing like a different set, they're probably like, look at, you know, we're not really not too worried about that. You guys want to do that at a local level, yeah. do your thing. But we got a different set of, now they're talking like, Everything needs to be super strict because when we hit the big show, we, we can't have bad calls. We can't have, can't be loose. So there's, I know what you mean. There's a balance of, we want it. When it comes to world championships, 
fucking, I want it tight. And I want like no, no shitty calls. You're going in there, you know, like these are going to be tough calls. So you're not going to embarrass us. If we make it on real TV, it'll look like the Olympics. Uh, whether or not we get in the Olympics, it'll look like that. We're on the flip side. We could still have our WWE thing. Yeah. It'd be nice to have that. And, and you're just having loose and it's known it's loose. Yeah, and I think finding the balance between that, I talk about this a lot where, you know, USAPL has a stigma of not being fun. And then I look at USAPL Raw Nationals and how it's set up. I'm like, this is, wait, what do you get? That's the only time I feel like it's a professional sport feeling is at Raw Nationals. I like the fact that IPF is kind of different where it's like, this is serious. This is like, this is just competition. There's no glitz and glam to it. Um, which, you know, both, in my opinion, if you're going to air something on ESPN, again, USAPL lead is talking, air Raw Nationals. Do it um, and get some good commentators while you're doing it. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to put it on ESPN, make sure that it's USAPL Raw Nationals because it has the mix of, you know, you got Gino. He's rolling up the crowd. They sell drinks there, too. You know, you got a, you got a fun atmosphere going. I was in attendance. I had a blast just watching primetime. It was fun. If you air primetime on ESPN, I guarantee you it will be better for just a young person watching the sport because, like, okay, there's a jumbotron, there's spotlights. Does that shit matter? No, it doesn't really matter in the long run. But a person will be like, you know what? That looks like a baseball game. That looks like yeah. a basketball game. That looks like I'm watching a professional sport where what's been aired on ESPN has been you know, something of like, uh, you know, the WPO thing. It's not exactly there yet. I know they're, they're, they're trying to get that whole spotlight thing, you know, the wrestling feeling, the, the mixed martial arts feeling too, but they're not quite there. I think USAPL already has that product of we have the good graphics, the good production value, the really good lifters. It's natural too. So a person can be watching be like, dude, Russ is jacked. And he looks awesome. He looks cool as fuck. I want to be like Russ. And it's like, oh, man, that Heather Connor, what a great lifter she is. She looks cool when she does the hair flip. Like, they will see that. Younger people will see that. And I think you get more views and better ratings on that, minus the maybe freakish lifts. But then you got Ray Williams, too. It's like, holy shit, Ray Williams. Like, that guy's squatting a 1,000-pound draw. That's cool to see. And he just has this look about him. That's cool. That's you kind of relate to that too. And I think us, we're trying to find something. We're like, we're trying to search like, okay, how can we make it like WWE? How can we make it like UFC? How can we make it like, and I think USAPL kind of has that thing going. And the middle ground, I think. Yeah. I think think people are ignoring it too. Cause I, when I was, I was, I was blown away at the production value of raw nationals when I was in Illinois, it was cool looking. They had the three, three jumbotrons. Um, I did not know they were going to sell drinks during it. I think that's a great spectator uh, thing for just having the crowd. So, you know, just some person watching like a relative compete, like, all right, I can have a beer while I'm doing this. And have yeah, fun yeah, hey. and You're more like, vocal too. It's like this Gino guy. He's, he's cool. It's like yeah. this guy, this guy's uh, who's the emceeing, rolling up the crowd. He's cool as well. And I just think that I, I know it's, it's, it's might be uh a a blasphemous thing to say, but I I honestly believe that USAPL has the product to be on at least ESPN plus shit. If you, if WPO can, I think USAPL definitely can. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Dude, let's just be honest here. In terms of production depth value, depth of talent, whatever you want to say, USAPL should check the boxes. Marketable people too. 
like you know uh i mean i know larry wheels has his huge huge following and all those guys have their feet following but you're talking about like two or three guys wpo i don't think has that same no talent pool either uh as far as people who they know they know the history i know I know if I talk about WPO, they will bring up the examples of the early 2000s, how amazing those meets were. And yeah, they were. They were great. They were fantastic. But generations change. People, man, it's, it's such a different thing. People like, you know, comic book shit now. People like uh, anime. Like, that's a younger, that's a cool thing now. It's like, that's a cool hip thing, which it, back in 2000, that wasn't the cool thing. Yeah. It was about being a badass. It was about being all those kind of things. Like, now comic books are really cool. And when you see guys like Russ, like, he kind of looks like a superhero. Oh, like, you see guys, yeah, he looks like, like, you see Ashton, it's like, he looks like a superhero. And this is a drug tester federation, so maybe I can get involved in this too. I think, I honestly believe USAPL has the product. I agree, man. And I think that they're, they have a nice little in-between where the calls are strict um it's definitely there's not a lot of controversy in terms of that but on the flip side people in the stands are drinking beer being vocal you got gino out there you have like the jumbotrons and whatnot so it's it's towing it right in the middle how we get it on espn i don't know who's got to make what calls who to make that happen but um we're making steps anyways i mean we got it on the olympic channel we got youtube gets re reposted on so many different youtube channels some of these youtube videos are like in the millions and in and all and in all honesty i think youtube can sometimes be a better platform than espn um because I, i've made this example before on my phone i have youtube built into it i don't have i have to go through some steps to get to espn you know i think it just would it be a better for the sport to be on the worldwide leader in sports Absolutely, but occasionally YouTube is the best way to view an event that's happening because we all have it. Like I could be at the gym and be like, all right, YouTube right now, live stream, and it's there. I could be in my car, you know, put on my dashboard, all right, YouTube, there. Um, so uh, it's not, not necessarily a bad thing that YouTube or YouTube is streaming most of the big USAPL meets. It's, um, it's just one day, worldwide leader in sports. It'll be a big, uh, big, big, step forward for drug tested lifting it's almost like when joe rogan's talking to people and, and they're like uh, like initially when he's doing podcasting you know people be like you know i think i could get you on a spot on a major radio station or a tv show or i could get you this this channel is starting up a show and they could get the backing and he was like i'm gonna reach a lot more people doing the podcast even though it's been beating into our heads you want to work for this massive radio station. You want to work for this TV show, talk show. He's like, my numbers on a podcast are killing talk shows. And this is where powerlifting has been very innovative, knowing like, yeah, we could bend over backwards and maybe get a couple different deals. But like you said, YouTube might be the quickest way to get the youth and get the, get the younger crowd. There's a younger crowd, younger even in 20s, who are like, in their teens and high school right now and they're probably on their phones finding shit finding powerlifting before they're going to find some other be putting on these different apps so yeah there is a, a trade-off for reach you know and creativity it's yours if it's on youtube that's yours you don't have espn saying you know what we would like in some fucking guy like you had said earlier who isn't a powerlifter who's a ESPN TV producer who's got stupid ideas. He, he's just trying to throw his two cents in there and validate his job. Be like, you know what you guys should have? I'm just snowballing here. Whereas 
with the YouTube, when it's yours, you could be like, no, nah, man, that's dumb. That's not powerlifting. Yeah. You're going to fuck this up. You're going too loose. This is, I got you. You're being creative, but that won't work for a million reasons, you know? Yeah. So YouTube, you have total control. You're not answering to nobody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like, uh, even with ESPN, ESPN is a lot different from when I was 13 till now. ESPN used to be, I mean, you go home and you watch ESPN. Now, it's a lot of kids aren't really into ESPN because they have their smartphones. They can watch all the awesome high highlights on their phones that was the only way you could watch highlights when i was a kid was on yeah. sports center um they, and that's what sports center was they would you know do some breakdown here and there but it was about mostly the highlights you know what i mean it was you would watch where well, right, what happened in this game what cool play what, you would stick around for top 10 plays of the week you would stick stick around for that kind of stuff now they have those elements of sports center but ESPN kind of realized, like, uh, they get all these updates on their phone, so we're going to have to try to pivot. That's where you get the talking heads, you get the Skip Baylesses, you get the people who have insane sports takes on ESPN and SportsCenter now, as opposed to just it being a hub for how to keep up to date with sports. And powerlifting, very similar to that. King of the Lifts, highlights. It's a highlight thing. Um, that's why I always say, like, King of the Lifts, you exist as one, and I try to make two white lights as a counter to King of the Lifts, where you do the highlights, you do all that stuff covering where I'm just going to talk shit to a bunch of powerlifters and like talk shit with powerlifters and just have free form conversations. You, you have a little bit of both going, but you have the page that's such right. a highlight based page. Like we were where, saying earlier where, yeah, you're exact trying to not be funny with memes and stuff. Like there's room for everybody. We together build up our own base. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. some people see each other as competition where it's like, no, 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 we're stronger together. We're stronger, like, you hop on my podcast, we do, like, let's, the stronger you are, the stronger I am, the stronger we are. When people get weird about things where it's like, ah, man, we need each other. And it's true. I can't, I can't fucking do the memes and funny shit that you're doing because it won't work. People get upset and and King of Lifts changes. And that's not what it is. Uh, You know, they got to go to you as like the voice, the pundit who will be colorful with the memes and be like, you you, you have more liberty to do that. Good. Yeah. Good. We need it. It's necessary. You yeah, know? and that's what people. When I started the podcast, people were like, "Oh, it's gonna be like King of Lists. I'm Like, no, King of Lists exists. Why would I make yeah. a podcast that exists already? Why would I try to be? I'm like, I want to be just what I believe should be broadcasted to powerlifters. It's it's a lot of entertainment. I try to entertain as much as possible. It's like, but dude, I'm not. I'm not gonna like break down all these meats because I I'm not good at one. I'm not good at it, and two, it's like that's not the the image I'm trying to portray. It's like I do, like, on Two White Lights, I try to get that, you know, me saying something like, I think uh, USPA and APF guys are more elitist than USAPL. Change my mind. Like, stuff like that. And then we have comments on that. And I'm inviting the debates. I'm inviting the shit show. Like, that's, and that's kind of what I want to broadcast. I want to broadcast that stuff where you, you have a good balance between the two. But it's like, why would, why would you listen to my podcast if King of Lists already exists if I'm trying to be exactly like King of Lists? That's why I made, like, a lot of efforts to not listen to certain uh, guests you've had on um, because I didn't want to, like, all right, you had uh, Russ Orhi on. I don't want to do the same exact questions that you have for Russ where I can ask him things I'm actually curious about, too. Mm. Um, I did listen to the one with Garrett Fear because whenever he talks, he's um, just light. He's just energy personified. But and, 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 and I know Garrett already where me and him have the relationship where I could talk to him on a freeform level and not repeat the same questions. But that's 
that's why I think, and also where when people are a little bit afraid to do that kind of stuff, to step out, make their own YouTube thing. The reason why is it's like, oh, what, what, you know, Candido has this thing. I'm like, just don't be like Candido then. Be yourself. Yeah. I, mean, I know you're not like Candido. Candido is his own individual self. The dude is unique. He, if you talk to him, you're like, I can never, I know for a fact, Angelo Fortino can't be Johnny Candido. I can't be him because he's a different human being than I am. He's more intuitive about things. He's smarter about exercise science. Like, nope, I'm, if I'm going to try to replicate this guy, I'm going to fail miserably because that's not who I am. It's just, it's the way I get my message across is blunt, simple. Um, and people, and, and people still like that. You know, it's like people, there's, there's still an, um, an audience for just me, one, not being as smart as Candido, but doing my own thing and being like, all right, it's, I, I can tune into this. He, Johnny Candido, as amazing as he is in his right, can't be Angelo Fortino. And, yeah. and it's, it's personalities too, like, uh, like you're 100% just in life in general, don't try to be somebody else because you'll just be a shittier version of the somebody else, whatever that is that you're pursuing. Whereas it's just kind of carve out your own niche, do your own thing. And people will warm up to your personality because everything that you are in particular, you know, everything that you bring. And when someone else tries to come up behind you and do what you're doing, um, there'll be a shittier version of you. So don't be threatened by that. And if someone else is doing something different, that's the perfect counterpart. You're balancing each other out, work together. But, you know, I think that one of the biggest keys is once you get over that kind of stuff in your head, life's a lot fucking easier. <laughs> yeah it, it is you go you go crazy there's a great book um called the the artist where you know like johnny carson um or uh conan o'brien looked up to johnny carson and he wanted to be johnny carson but then he realized like i can't do the same thing as johnny carson so he has a little bit of johnny carson in him but he's still the zany conan o'brien that's unique to his own personality um the last thing i wanted to do with starting two white lights was become a dollar store king of the list where yeah, yeah. You do the same thing, but like of lesser value because you have the show that you have and you built it and you kind of had to go through the trial and error where I would be getting a recycled version of it, broadcasting it. It's like, okay, there's King of Lifts and then uh, Great Value, King of the Lifts. Like, what do you want to listen to? <laughs> and, and they're both free too. So uh, right. <laughs> you, you obviously choose King of the Lifts. That's why Two White Lights was and, – and even with, um, you know, just being creative with that, Two White Lights started off different. You know, uh, I had a co-host, um, you know, and we, we, were ha we had like two different views of how we should do the show. So I was like, you know, I kind of want to do this thing and this guy wants to do his, his thing. And he has his own podcast now where he goes into more of the history, more of a quip lifting. Um, it's called Strength and Anger Podcast. And he has his thing where I was never going to talk about the history of powerlifting because I'm an idiot when it comes to the history of powerlifting. I know... 2015 on i know the usapl guys i know the ipf guys i do know quite a few you know non-tested uh, lifters too but it's it would have been a whole different show if we were if i kind of been like okay let's just do that it's like no he can do that does a great job with the history of powerlifting which is a cool history there like there was lifting going on in the 90s and 2000s guys trust me uh yeah. just because youtube didn't exist back then doesn't mean powerlifting wasn't but me i'm like i I would have to do like individual research about something that I'm not too passionate about. It's going to be, it's going to be a not great quality show. So he has his own thing, does a great job there. I do my own thing. And now we have separate podcasts 
about different things. It's uh, you're one of right? King list um, has changed over the years, and that's just all part of it too. I've seen you posted one time, um, and I, we're getting close. I gotta, I'm gonna let you go shortly, so I want to get this one question out. Um, and also all your information, how people reach you, whether it's coaching, following the podcast, whatever. But one question I want to ask though, I seen you post um, about how you're actually now getting to a point where as, as a media personality and, and for the podcast and, and probably just social media, even, even beyond with like the memes and et cetera, you're starting to like enjoy, oh, I, I actually like the recognition as such with that. And maybe even to an extent, in, in its own way, greater than the, the, the recognition I get as a lifter. Now, I mean, that could, it could be ebb and flow, and let's say you win the Worlds, that could fucking change too. But yeah. if, when all is said and done, a question I always ask people, how do you want to be remembered? And for you, it's a little different because you're doing different things. So when you are 65 and you look back, how do you hope you're remembered? Yeah, it's a, that's a really good question. I mean, you know, I'm usually the one answer, asking this question, too, so it's nice to get the flip side of it. But, uh, you know, w I was very surprised with the feedback I got from the podcast because I that's something I thought that I sucked at really, really bad, where I knew I was a decent lifter and I knew what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing with the podcast. And I don't know if you could tell, I got a bit of a speech impediment. So talking in, like, a public setting is always been a fear of mine because I got like a little bit of a lisp. People make fun of me for it, it's all good. Um, <laughs> Garrett Fear, uh, mostly. But um, I had that and I was pretty like, I, I don't know how good of a talker I am. I don't know if people are gonna make fun of that. But then when people came up to me and said they liked the podcast and like really good lifters came up to me and like, oh man, I listened to your podcast. I'm like, what, you, you think it's good? And that's what I would say. I'm like, you think it's actually good? They're like, yeah, it's good, I like it. <laughs> and, but, I, I always have this like a little conundrum and I talk about it personally a lot is I got into the sport to compete. I want to be the best at what I do. And I, I like, can I do that with also being like a media personality kind of guy? Can I also be the best 83 KG in the world? Can I be the best lifter in the world with that? And it's a balance that I have to say, but it all comes down to this. I love the sport so much that I want to be someone who's had an impact on the sport. If someone looks at the sport differently now, because I had enough saying into it, whether it be through the podcast or through my lifting, that to me is a massive success because not everyone can say that. Not everyone could do that. If I have an impact and a leg, even if I have just a legacy on the sport, just in general, like when I first picked up a barbell, I didn't think that will ever happen. When I got involved in powerlifting, I didn't think I would have a long-lasting impact on the sport. So I would say when it's all said and done, if I just had some sort of way that people look at the sport differently, whether it be through my competitive prowess or my you know, media personality, that to me is a success. Um, That's yeah. it, buddy. Look, at, I, I just judge it. I think you're well on your way, but don't, put, don't take your foot off the gas anyways. But I think you've already got an, an impact. It's tough because like, obviously, you know how short people's attention spans and if we stop right now, both of us are like, all right, we're both done everything we're doing right now, let's stop. Five, 10 years from now, it's like, how confident am I? People remember, people forget so quickly. So it's like, ah, but whatever. These aren't things we necessarily just gotta keep doing what you're doing today and hopefully it, it has some weight and carries on. Yep, uh, absolutely. That's, uh, that's, a one, that's, a, that's a really good way of looking at it. Just, and that's another thing, like constantly keep, 
keeping it going. Like that's uh, building the momentum because, you know, it's, it's, um, it's one thing just to lift. You could, you could always do that, but uh, the creative side of it's hard. The creative side of like creating a podcast is difficult. There's certain times where people don't understand, like even the two white light show that I do now, it's not still the product that I want because, you know, we're limited in what we can't do. Like I haven't had a guest on in two weeks because I just haven't had the right time to interview a guest. And, and there's nothing trained. to talk about. There's literally nothing to talk about. We were in the middle of a pandemic. So there's like the not meets going on. There's nothing to really cover that much. So it's constantly trying to think of ways to uh, sharpen your creative um, impact on the sport is, it's much more difficult than me going into the gym. Maybe, man, I'll toss you this audio if you want to post this, just because your listeners, instead of asking questions, um, you're answering them and they'll probably get to know you on a different level of uh, maybe they, maybe they have, and maybe they haven't. Um, and one more thing too, uh, is there anybody you want to thank? And if people want to reach out to you, where do they find you? Where do they find the podcast? And I don't know if you do coaching, but if you do, how do they get that from you? Yeah. So, um, I would like to, I already thank my mom. I like, I love my mom a lot. Uh, she's done a, a lot for me. Um, just, uh, just, uh, yeah, just another shout out for my mom. Uh, cause I already thanked her at the beginning of the show and, uh, and I, Father's Day is weird because I always end up just like um, thanking my mom on Father's Day. But uh, also, I had to throw out Joe Stanek. I'd like to thank him as well just for everything he's done. One of the, if you guys are thinking about getting coaching, because I don't do coaching because I don't know shit about exercise science or how to coach an individual or handle anyone, uh, reach out to Joe Stanek. The guy's the fucking man. Um, but want to reach me on Instagram at 14opower, 140 underscore power. Uh, and Two White Lights podcast. I'm also active on there as well at Two White Lights. And um, yeah, that's about it. And only way you're going to reach me is just through DMing me questions because I don't do coaching or any of that shit. So it's just me. You're just going to be talking to me pretty much. There we go, my man. Listen, thank you for coming on. It took three hours of your day. Um, we like if we did cap this shit because I got to go do some family thing. We could probably do another three hours. We should do yeah, it probably. again. I talk. I talk a lot. No, that's why you're good at <laughs> podcasting. That's exactly. why you did a podcast. I, it's it. I talk a bit done. Like you can is, get me on a three-hour conversation any day of the week. It is in in um little things like inflection of your voice and talking with a little bit of passion, even though you do it naturally, it's not faked or or forced. Those are the little things where you don't realize until you start podcasting people like I enjoy listening to you uh, because those little things that people are like, why do I enjoy this one over the other podcast? It's just it's the little things that maybe your boys always knew, but the, the rest of the world didn't. So when you put it out there, like you're interesting to listen to. You could talk, you could tell, you bring in stories and you have some actual passion behind your voice. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to put a fucking pin in, but you found your, you found your voice and this, you should keep doing it. Yeah. And I, and I credit, yeah, I credit a lot of that to watching professional wrestling growing up. Um, I try to cut promos uh, as much as possible. So I also would like to thank, if that's the case, Rick Flair, uh, <laughs> Roddy Piper, uh, Chris Carrico. Um, yeah, all those, The Rock, all those guys who cut promos. Because um, when you grow up watching guys who are, like, paid to talk uh, with passion, I guess I guess it works in the long run. Dude, I uh, I, I read um, – I'm not a huge wrestling guy, but I read Brett the Hitman Hart's autobiography. Of course, oh. Canadian le Canadian legend. Of course, yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's an amazing like this dude. I don't know if you read if you're into Bret Hart. Like, I'm not a crazy wrestling guy, but still, his stories about like drug use, steroids, but also like 
drug use, cheating on wives, fist fights, people getting murdered in showers, stabbed to death. I mean, like, like famous people, like all the famous wrestlers talk about it's, it's, it's so dirty and, and tell all. Oh. He's like we're cheating on his own life, but you can't put the book down. You're like, yeah. this is it, it. The wrestling matches themselves and how you talk about getting over with the crowd. Can you go out there in America waving the Canadian flag purposely yeah. trying to, and it's, um, I'm not into wrestling. So you don't even have to be a big wrestling guy and you will be like, that book was so wildly entertaining. And oh, you'll have yeah, a newfound respect for it. Yeah, the back the backstories on wrestling is something that I've found a passion. Just like listening so to good. interviews and just listening to what happens like behind the scenes of wrestling. Brett the Hitman Hart is like the fucking prototypical dude who lives and dies with wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the Hart family is so goddamn, especially in Canada. You know all about like how oh, yeah. how influential the Hart family is in like professional wrestling, but yeah, like all that stuff is so incredibly interesting to uh, listen to and. I will go on record in saying UFC boxing stole the blueprint for from professional wrestling. It's not the other way around. Conor McGregor is fucking Ric Flair. That's all he is. He is a Rick, he's a smaller Irish version of Ric Flair. Oh, uh, look look all this money I have. Look at all these watches. Look at this shirt. It's six thousand dollars. That's Ric Flair. He's doing Ric Flair's whole gimmick. So yeah. it's it's all a knockoff of professional wrestling. Selling fights is selling a, a pay-per-view. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's wrestling wrote the book. It's not the other way around, guys. Dude, I love that uh, when Ric Flair has that one quote where he's like, you know, I drive, I drive this car. I keep me on a personal jet. And he's, he's yelling all, all energy. And he goes, and I'm having a hard time keeping, keeping these crocodiles down. Because he's wearing crocodile Limit, boots. And limousine riding, high flying, jet flying, son of a gun. Woo! And I have a hard time keeping these tracks down. <laughs> That's right. I'm having a hard time keeping these crocodiles down. And it's, I was like, the oh. Rolex wearing. Yeah, yeah. Kiss stealing. Real and dealing. Son of a gun. Yeah, yeah that's it's Conor McGregor right there. That, yeah. I, that's, that's all kind of, he talks about women, talks about all the, the girls who love him. Yeah. yeah. So, so the playbook off right there. It's beautiful. Well, listen, man, thank you for coming on. Crushed two hours, or crushed three hours. We got to do it again, my friend. I mean, we got all summer. We ain't got, uh, once I find somebody that can come on here and we can talk like this, bet we got to keep it moving, especially with no competitions coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree, man. The, the, content, the content wheel is, uh, is coming to a stop, with this, uh, <laughs> yeah. which, is, which is depressing to see, especially with no competitions happening, especially in the summer, because summer is, I mean, competitions are always happening, but the summer is like my time to go and visit other gyms and talk to people and shit, and I can't do that anymore. Or yeah. maybe go to different competitions and have like a presence there. And I can't do that right now. That sucks. Is what it is, my friend. But thank you for coming on. Keep in touch. And uh, yeah, man, stay healthy. I'll see you when I see. I don't know when we're going to see you on the platform next. Hopefully Raw Nationals. Yeah, Raw Nationals is the next meet. Uh, I haven't signed up for anything else. So hopefully it's that one. There it is, buddy. Talk to you later. Have a good one. All right. Peace, my man. See you, man.